Conclave presents Voices in the Warp. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Conclave presents the Voices in the Warp. Yes, we have assembled our crack team of plastic crack addicts in order to talk about everything that's going on in your favourite hobby at the moment and in all the worlds of the Warhams. Um, it's a bit of a weird time at the moment because we're all coming up, at least in the 40k universe, for a new edition. So there's a lot of speculation, there's a lot of rampant discussion of things which may or may not be well informed and I'm sure some of us have opinions on that. What? Um, <laughs> And, of course, everyone is getting ready and trying to work out what am I going to have to paint for my army in the new edition? But we can talk about all of that and we can do our rampant speculation. But first of all, let's introduce the crew. So obviously I am ADR Wargaming and I am joined tonight by the usual group of um, br the Brains Trust, as it were, of all things Warhammer. So first up, we've got the maestro himself, Mr. Richard Watkin. How are you doing, buddy? Hey... Maestro, that, that, all right. I can rock that. That was very, that was very, um, that was very like Fonzie from. Hey, <laughs> just, just, just going to respond with that all evening. Any questions, <laughs> Rich? What do you think about this? Hey, yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's you. I should say, but this is an obviously an audio medium. Um, I should point out that Rich is in fact wearing a monogrammed leather jacket. So maybe he's really leaning into this. Maybe this is going to be like the eighties when the fifties came back for a period. You know. Maybe we're going to have that again. Maybe that's going to be the thing for the 2020s. Aside from Rich, of course, I am joined by the king of the contrast himself. A Mr. A War, a hipster. I say hello, Mr. War hipster. I only respond now to the chairman of the board. The chairman of the board. <laughs> <laughs> the commander in chief. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very well, thank you. How are you, Adam? I'm all right. I'm okay. I'm good. I'm enjoying the Easter bank holiday weekend. It's been nice. You That's all, we're uh, this. you getting ready to move into your new house? Uh, well, not yet, because we still need to sort out the date. I'm actually moving in, but I will be. I'm going to have to pack up all this Warhammer, and I've got to be honest, that's a slightly daunting task. I need that. You know what we need to do? I need not, to launch not like worry a about furniture. Color. It's just packing up the Warhammer that's going to take the time. Oh, genu genuinely, genuinely, that is what I'm more worried about. The furniture is fine. Couple of couple of blokes and a van, job done, right? No problem. Packing up all the Warhammer, <laughs> and I have quite a lot of it. <laughs> it's, if you would it's like to donate money so Adam can buy four thousand <laughs> magnetic cases, can you just donate boxes? That'd be nice. Just donate me some any old boxes anyone's got. Just send me the boxes so I can magnetic some boxes. <laughs> If you think I'm going through all of this and sticking magnets to everything that I haven't stuck magnets to, you've got another thing coming, mate. Haven't you mostly magnetised everything now? Not everything. There's quite a few bits that don't have magnets, and I I, I will not... Like, a lot of the Space Marines don't have magnets, actually. No, um, you need them. There's the always new ones. There are. There are always new Just ones. Just throw them in a blender and you'll get new ones. <laughs> I'm going to burn them in protest at 10th edition, like that guy from uh, when they blew the old world up. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. Team. That that seems fair and legitimate, doesn't it? It's um, a good idea. I should say, but before we talk more about me relocating, we are of course joined by the fourth member of our group of uh, hobby musketeers, which is of course the sanguinary punk himself, Mister Jamie. How are you doing, Jay? Good, good, good to be back. Thank you. I don't know what it. Yeah, man. Is. 
I know it's good to have you back. You've been uh, you've, you've been away far too I've long. Missed, so it's like, nice. all the most exciting news, and it's just the boring stuff. It's like, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's all right. We'll can try we and just keep it nice. That you nice didn't nice. do the episode about tenth edition, the lion and Dante. Um, okay, okay. We'll just yeah. we'll, hang on. We'll, we'll just, just give you a separate just, segment do, just on Dante. Do a hard reset. On on. all of that, right? That was like the index yeah. hammer version of uh, the conclave that week, <laughs> and now this is the full fat codex version. It's fine. It's fine. I'll just I'll, I'll settle just... <laughs> And welcome to Voices in the Warp. We've just had a load of announcements from Games Workshop. No, I am kidding. I am kidding. Um, but no, we can certainly talk about that sort of thing uh, in the course of this evening. Because as I say, I think it's that time of year in which rampant speculation runs wild. And everybody looks at the drip drip of announcements that are coming out of GW as they announce things on Warhammer community and everybody makes wild assertions and claims about them, be they good or bad, uh, that we have seen floating around. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll be positive. We'll talk about what we've seen. And you know what? Let's, let's, let's start, perhaps, not by talking about new stuff, but talking about what everybody's been working on. After all, this is a hobby podcast. What sort of things have you been building and painting up if you've been building and painting uh, at all so mr guatkin what have you been working on well unfortunately i've been sick for the last week or so so not that I much um, i just i set you up there to be able to do like a nice <laughs> like like a sympathy thing right 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 um but what i have been working on when i have been able to work on stuff is uh, i'm doing some lord of the rings uh, dwarves at the moment so as in like a bit of an interim, because 10th is coming up, it's a nice time to try out different systems. I've loved Lord of the Rings. It's got a lot of us into the hobby. Um, so I've been returning to that, painting up a bit of that. Also because one of the armies that I'm probably going to be playing a lot of in early 10th ed is Tyranids. And currently, I don't know what I need to paint up for Tyranids because they're going <laughs> to get a whole load of new models. Yeah. So in the meantime, I'm doing some Lord of the Rings Dwarves. Do you, do, you, do you want some Hormigans? I've got some Hormigans to get up. <laughs> if they don't get new models, then yeah, I love some Hormigans. I'll happily happily take some Hormigans. Yeah, that's true. No, I, I just genuinely, I have, I have, I think I have too many of them. I found some the other One day. One of my favourite models I in the army. I haven't built yet. They are really cool. They just have a tendency to fall over. Yeah, the, that's, the, that's the, like the, the one the thing. They either need a I slightly think... bigger base or some weights or a new model or something. I think what you should do is you should try and um, sell your Hormigans outside warhammer fest <laughs> set up a stall like yeah. like in like a coat like <laughs> yeah. some, uh, i think i think you want to do it on the sunday so all the people who've got weekend passes are gonna go they'll be there on the saturday they'll see all the new models you get to experience 10th edition for the first time they'll come out and they'll come back on the sunday and you'll be selling hormigaunts from 20 years ago and if you are able the, the to vintage. ship a single box of them <laughs> You probably will I will be very impressed. Even if mate, you don't. Mate, I, mate, I can sell anything. It'll be fine. I'll sell them as vintage. Vintage is in, right? People go, I, look, I yeah, live in London. Yeah. I go to Shoreditch. I've seen supposedly vintage clothes shops, which are definitely just some slightly distressed jeans that have just come off a boat from a factory somewhere in the Far East, right? And people pay way over the odds for them because they're vintage, because they look a bit 70s. In the you interest know, of I'm sure you I can do being it. able to sell anything, you've got an exciting, uh, what was it? You called it a, it was an opportunity to invest in property where you go and stay there a week of the year. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, something yeah. about, you know, collaborative time, it's, something like look, that. Look, it's not it's not a pyramid scheme. It's an inverted dimmer, right? Okay, and that's what matters, right? It's a triangle it's, it's a, structure. It's a reverse funnel system. 
right? That's what I it see. is. I see. <laughs> yeah. Like, all I'm saying is there's two kinds of people in the world, man. There's dupers and there's dupees. And uh, I'm a duper and, you know, you may be a dupee. Well, I'm here on this podcast, aren't I? I'm clearly well, there, a dupee. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ooh, harsh. A harsh review. We probably only get those from our listeners. <laughs> no, I'm, 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 I'm going to be Eeyore today. Oh, why are you going to be Eeyore today? Because it's funny. Oh, okay. Everybody right. told me off for liking Star Trek last time, so yeah, fuck I wanna, you, I wanna, audience. I want to address that. No, in all in all seriousness, though, I will I will um, just say on that. Right, uh, we will obviously we like to launch into tangents. We like to talk about random stuff like that, and we are all massive nerds, and we all watch Star Trek and Star Wars before we started the podcast. I'll happily say we were sat here talking about all the random nonsense because it was Star Wars Celebration Europe this weekend in XL. I saw a man dressed as Darth Maul walking down my road on saturday it was very funny and I, I i even did the line i did the line you know at last we will reveal ourselves to the jedi like i even did the line to him and he was like yes man i was like yeah you're cool you're dressed as darth maul braver man than i when you're on the tube um but yeah so we've had all you know star wars stuff. we'll talk about that so we will launch on tangents we will talk about star wars we will talk about star trek and in the in the world of 10th edition and i'm not just saying this because i've had a bit of wine right it is slowly coming out. We all talk about stuff about 10th edition, but obviously, you know, we can't add much to what's on Warcom. Go and read the articles. Go and have a look. We can talk about them. But, um, you know, we won't have the full picture until the, you know, the overlords at Games Workshop deem it that the full picture is released. So, you know, there's there's uh, there's almost um, there's almost a downside, I think, to focusing on on what's coming on in 10th too much. But don't worry, rest assured, we will talk about, you know, the bits we've found interesting that we've seen anyway. But Star Trek is cool, so be nice to Josh. This is rapidly becoming one of those, um, you know, leave Britney alone type uh, type things, which is a meme that only a certain elder version of millennials will get. Yeah. You, you are allowed very important, to like though. other things and like outside of the hobby. You are allowed to have other interests. And often we have a lot of those same interests. We like nerdy stuff. <laughs> yeah, know? exactly. You said something very important there, Adam. And I think it's worth stressing it to our audience read the articles <laughs> oh, I thought... oh we should yeah we, we should talk about this there uh, there are a lot of takes out there aren't there a lot of, a lot of people who look at the pictures and decide that the sky is falling and if you read the article it's quite funny because i've seen it a lot in the last ever since the video dropped i've seen a lot of people you know who We'll see one picture and have decided that everything's terrible because they've seen a picture. They've not actually read what, what's written down in the article, um, which is which is a very important thing to do. Um, and the also the crucial thing, if you are just going to look at the pictures, make sure you read everything that's on the picture as well, instead of just looking at the big print stuff, because it's 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 been quite it's been quite a fun experience it's always like this every time there's a new edition um what people do is they look at the pictures and then they try and put the picture into the game that they currently know and then decide everything's terrible 
Yeah, I, I, and I would say as yeah. a, as a as a positive as a positive note on this, right? Because you know we like to be positive. Here. I would say this is a positive thing, right? Don't let the the kind of the what should I say? People get very easy to say. People get very negative sometimes about some of these mm-hmm. things that are coming out, and they go, "Oh, you know, this has ruined it." The sky, as you say, the sky is falling, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And it's like, no, it's 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 fine. Like it'll be fine. Wait till we get the full picture. It will probably I'll be say fun. The, the biggest one as an example. Uh, that's come out that the biggest one that's come out that people have gotten confused about is the how do you pick units and it goes oh have at least one character one each of epic hero up to three of the same data sheet six of if it's battle line and people go really will that be two thousand points if you get one of this one of that three of this and then six of that and they they're thinking in battlefields roles it's like oh i can only have three elites or fast tackle like heavy sport all mm. together like i can only have like what 10 11 units in my entire army it's like no mm. that's if you read the article it explains that's a limit per data sheet not across your entire army so it's not like you're only going to have 10 11 units across your entire army it's that you can have whatever you want and it but you just get the rule of three is still in place that's all that's all it is yeah, the, the the great example of this was back in when it was when it was when Marine Codex Two in Eighth Edition came out, and Tactical Marines finally gained an extra wound. I remember seeing a video from someone. I'll try and dig it out. Where they'd seen, they'd looked at the picture, and the picture said double the wounds under an article about changes to the Space Marines Codex. And the whole point of the video was that the new Space Marines Codex was going to be super broken because Land Raiders were now going to have 36 wounds. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the the irony of that, of course, is that that Codex did have its problems, but nothing to do with the Land Raider. (laughs) But it it wasn't that. And that's the point, is if if you just look at the pictures and then infer what you want from it, you will make... You, you will upset yourself. It's very yeah. easy to do at this point because you've got a brand new edition. Everything's changing. And I know change is hard, but change is for the best. It's all good. So, like, I've seen some weird takes on Terminators, um, you know, including that because they've gained plus one to their invulnerable save, that means everything that has an invulnerable save is getting plus one to its invulnerable save. So now Gilliman is going to have a two plus invulnerable save. It's like, no, this is one data sheet. You have seen one. It one. is only one. It only is only one sheet. So, and one sheet does plenty. Like we're returning to index forty k. The whole thing has been rewritten. You have yep. no idea what anything is. Yeah, but and, and it's just it's it's frustrating, and I get it. Because what you as an audience and what we as people who engage in 40k and Age of Sigmar and any of these games, what we want is we want it all right away now because we know that it exists. It's been confirmed. In the, in all... the, words, of, uh, in the words of Freddie Mercury, I want it all, I want it now. Yeah, we all want to know how many attacks Ursula Creed has. We, I know we all want to know that. That is what but, I'm looking forward to, yes. But right now... We just need the only thing you can do is engage in the stuff that Warhammer community shares, uh, and that's important. But listen, man, my breakout video Ursula Creed, Ursula Creed broken. It's not going to happen unless I get the info right. So you know, <laughs> I need it. Exactly. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. I mean, what was it you said? So what was, you saw a bunch of people on a YouTube video or something 
um, trying to indicate that the new uh, teleport thing was. Oh busted. no! This was this was just this was just a comment I saw from somebody where they basically they were trying to like they 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 had some theor- theorizing that the uh, the the teleport homer that or the rapid ingress whatever the stratagem that they've announced is called that this is somehow like busted because if you math hammer it out you can drop a bunch of terminators in a line or something and I, I was just reading it and just being like but hang on a second you can't do that <laughs> sorry I should just say it again because this is an audio medium as I've said that <laughs> Rich literally rolled his eyes. <laughs> On camera was just like just the look of exasperation in your yeah, face, mate. Was, was wonderful. You can't do that now. You can't just string out a unit of ten. Yeah, well, it's well, it's also because people are taking the rules that they're being shown now and then applying it to what they know, which is the ninth third rules. So like, oh, I can like deep strike in my terminators in your turn, and I can move block you. But if you actually read the article where it explained this stratagem, it happens at the end of the movement phase, and you still have to be mm. nine inches away. So. Like I, I think I'd explain this to someone. The only way this would be move blocking in any way is if they were going for like an eleven or twelve inch charge. That's the only like thing it would try to maybe block. Mm. It's broken, Rich. It's broken. Busted. It's busted. <laughs> it's broken. It's busted. It's busted. You're right. People are. It's and it's it is quite funny as well when it's you're trying to apply yeah. the new stuff that's been previewed to what you know about the game now. And you end up proving that you don't actually know the game that you have now very well, because um, in that oh. instance of being able to string out ten in a long line, it's like no, because <laughs> coherency yeah. would be an issue for you there, sir. Uh, it'd you know, be a we... block of five twice, or you know, you know, you know what we on the end. We we should we should say sorry sorry just to agree we we should say again to, to uh, Jamie this is making Jamie happy because there you go Jamie you're now getting your your tenth edition intro chat um, that you wanted that, that you weren't unfortunately here for but um, the the again to to put the kind of you know we're not just moaning about this like to put the positive spin on it it's because it will be fine like there's a lot of negativity out there about stuff like this. like this is this just drives panic I think is the problem. And I like, especially if people who are like relatively new to the hobby uh, or relatively new to to forty k, um, you know, would come in like, you know, you see it all the time on like, you know, as Reddit is never a good measure for anything, right? But I see it all the time on the various sort of forty k subreddits. So in where someone comes in, especially you know, change of edition or when there's a new codex about to come out, and uh, you know, someone says, oh hey, I really want to start this army or like Death Guard or whatever, you know, well, I've seen it with World Eaters really recently actually, where someone's like, yeah, I've just started World Eaters, and the immediate comments were like, oh yeah, why'd you buy the codex, it's going to be worthless in like three, two months or whatever, and it's like, yeah, but come on man, they want to play now, they want to build now, they're going to use what they have now, but then like, that's not a bad thing for long term. It's not like, worthless, still... it's a 120 page book where 75 pages of the book are about the army in the background. Yeah, I mean, literally. Yeah. If you're yeah. new, that, that's tons really of, valuable. Tons of great info in there. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, but yeah, I just think I just think we we shouldn't like just don't panic, right? If you see something in if if you if you if you don't read, as you say, if you don't, this all comes down. This is me going to sound like almost very loyally now and say, always read the small print. Always read the small print, guys. Whatever you're doing in life, always read the small print, right? In this case, it's not small print. It's normal font size eleven on a website that you can read. Go and read it rather than just necessarily, you know, listening to us or listening to others because, you know, we're, we're part of this, right? In some some ways, we're part of this ecosystem. Um, you know, don't just listen to us. Go and read it yourselves and form your own opinions. Don't just go off like some YouTuber, right? Because to be fair to a lot of, you know, the people on, on YouTube and stuff, they get engagement by making 
a panic out of stuff almost right like they get engagement by being vaguely controversial and having clickbaity titles we all know it we they admit it right yeah josh does it all the time josh josh does these videos called like how to paint this it's thing like, it's like and that's clearly a click and, the, and there's a picture of him in the corner with his hands on his cheeks uh, with that uh, holding a paintbrush yeah. being like how to paint exalted eight bound <laughs> so you know we all know that's how that works um obviously josh does not do that um <laughs> at all i'm shocked and appalled <laughs> i think i've done three videos that were intentionally clickbait and they weren't they weren't really that bad i think one was a lot i think mostly i do i do sort of clickbaity live streams but actually the thing is about the thing i said so i did one which was help me youtube you're my only hope where i ended up talking about star wars legion for ages I think yeah. I think part of the thing as That's well fair. that also is there is is that ultimately like, a lot of folks do love to talk with real authority about things that they have absolutely zero clue about. That's a general symptom of the internet, right? Excuse me, that's the basis that, of my yeah, entire per- personality. It's a very big thing in the internet in general. But like, I mean, Christ, I think some of the worst I've seen is indeed in the Reddit's and the Facebooks and so on, where people have literally just came in with broad sweeping comments of, you know, for instance. Um, no, you will. You should not buy Sanguinary oh. Guard because there will be a new box of them within the next year. So, the, the, in no way do we understand, no, have any clue about that whatsoever. And when pressed on the matter, then going, well, we've just seen a dice set called the Sanguinary Guard <laughs> dice set. We have, now, don't we get have me wrong, that made me react set, yeah. by asking other people, oh, do you think maybe that means we might get some new Sanguinary Guard? But what I most certainly did not do was walk into people who are newbies in 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 uh, a blood angels facebook group saying you know should i buy sanguinary guard i'm worried that there'll be new models and say absolutely not there are definitely new models on their way we all know it don't be an yeah. idiot yeah and then they end yeah. up waiting three years for it to materialize <laughs> i'm pretty sure people told <laughs> please, me not to please give me buy sanguinary guard when i started blood angels at the end of eight because it was like oh yes there will be primaris ones there will be a, i get a, told it all yeah. the time group definitely had a bunch of folks saying do not touch the Death Company. There's definitely some Primaris ones of those coming, and the Old Marines will be invalid. You will not be able to play them, and if you take them to a tournament, you will be issued out of the door and kicked repeatedly by a bouncer. You know, like, that's that's the sort of stuff that was kind of going about. Brutal. Did you know that for the last seven years, Space Marines are going to be moved into Legends any day now? Oh, yes, absolutely. For seven years? I mean, in all fairness, Cap- Tycho the Lost should be moved into. He uh... is. He already was. His mom- <laughs> is he? Is he legends now? No, okay. Well, no, that no, I sound Tycho like an idiot. Lost is, yeah, he's Tycho not. The Lost is in the decks. You can play Tycho. Yeah. Oh, his, yeah. His yeah. model went into. Um, he's he's made to it, order, rotation. but he's in the decks. In fact, he is. As I've, I think I've said before, I think the only model I know in the range that has two different data sheets. Yeah, Tycho, Tycho yes. the Lost, Tycho and Captain the Lost, Tycho. and also Captain, Tycho, Captain yeah. Tycho, and they both exist still. With so we have two dead characters in the Codex, which is a bit weird. Yeah. It's all right. They keep they keep him around specifically so that people can produce these sorts of clickbait videos, being really annoyed about the fact Yarick's canonically dead and doesn't have a model anymore. Because then Blood Angels players can be like, "Yeah, well, our guy's canonically dead, and we have a model for him and two data sheets." <laughs> yeah, I, 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 yeah. I think that I think the the Yarrick thing was interesting, but I also I get it. Like it makes it makes way more. It doesn't make sense that Tycho the Lost is still in the book, and I suspect in the next one he might finally be laid to rest. 
but like the for the guy. I like the idea. There's someone in the design team. Sorry, who really, who just really, just 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 whatever. Just like just before it goes to the printers, right when they finalise the codex, he's like mocked up his own Tycho and Tycho the Lost data sheets, and then just slips them into the PDF <laughs> before it gets sent off to the printer. And then Games Workshop receive it, you know, and the powers that be in the rule team go, "Oh yeah, let's all right, let's have a flick through, check the quality." And they go, "Hang on, Tycho." But like. The thing that's funny with me is like we don't actually know that Commissar Yarrick is properly dead. It's no, just yeah. that he's assumed dead. Don't know why he's not in the book. He just isn't. But you know that that is it is what it is. Um, but you know, I didn't hear anybody getting upset that Pask was removed. No, that's true. And yet I faced about a thousand guard players, and one time it was Yarrick, and the other nine hundred ninety nine times Pask was there. <laughs> <laughs> no one's upset about that, though. No. Well, it's all right. We can again. We can just quote another another sci-fi property and just go. No one's ever really gone. So you know he'll be he'll be back in the future. Yeah. Somehow I, I, Yarrick returned. I think and somehow Palpatine returned to Warhammer Forty K <laughs> in the body of Commissar Yarrick. Um, yeah. No. I, look, the as of recording, it's the tenth of April. It is indeed the 10th of April, yes. You have to wait 19 days. Mm. Because, is it 19? Hang on, I need to pull the calendar up. Because we're going to be getting a bunch of leaks, not leaks, reveals. <laughs> um, yeah, not, not leaks. <laughs> we're going to be getting a bunch of reveals between now and the day itself. 29th of April. Um. Try 10th edition for the first time at Warhammer Fest. You know that myself, who will be going as a content creator, and I'm not the only one, um, so you don't only have to rely on my videos. You can go to your actual people you watch and um, watch their videos. They will all make 10th edition videos. That's where you're going to get the true what it is. The meat. Yeah. So between now and then, curb one's enthusiasm. To be honest, I'm going to wait until after that as well. I'm not particularly interested in what's going to happen in a 500-point game of tyranny, uh, like Termagants versus Assault Intercessors that they no doubt put on a table. But, yeah, I, I completely... I, I just think, like, the, it's wonderful to talk about it, but some of the, the speculation that gets to the point where it's like, this is definitely that and this is definitely this becomes so incredibly unhelpful. And I think sort of forgets itself of, like the role that those conversations can have with the number of other mm. people that read them that have very little grounding in even, you know, might have only been in the hobby for like three months, a very little grounding in the terms that are used as part of those conversations even. Um, and don't quite become literate to the fact that this is just completely and utterly worthless toss, basically. Yeah, I mean, true, true. A lot of the time, most, but worthless toss if it's not pointed out already to be worthless toss. Like anything we say about tenth edition on this podcast is effectively worthless toss. Exactly. Great. Well, that's that's the next nineteen days worth of episodes. I said it could be. No, 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 no. I, I agree. No, it is. You're hundred percent right. Like you know, even everything we say, everything everyone says. You know, it can be really interesting and yeah. insightful and intelligent. You went from well, Richard, uh, but like you know. Yeah, probably, probably yeah. from Rich. Yeah, Jeff, uh, I mean, yeah. then it's probably actually half the time probably right. But he's also very non-committal as well because he is the most insightful. <laughs> so yeah. exactly, yeah. 
Well, that's how he does it. That's how he gets away with it. We're getting drip-fed information. Yeah, absolutely. It's the it's the. So what we all we can do is look at what we've been given and go, oh, that's what we've been given. Well, maybe this is also true, but it's just speculation. Well, you know what? Here's my here's my attempt at a vaguely insightful point. I don't think it's particularly insightful, but I'll back myself anyway. Which is to say that one of the issues I think to this point about people are applying stuff that's getting announced to what is essentially the ninth edition current rule set and going oh this is broken or oh this is wild like this doesn't work or whatever it like yeah in fact i'll give you, I'll edition... give you an example that they oh, go, go, talked go, about go, go, go. uh oath of moment the adeptus astartes faction oh. rule is yeah you get to re-roll to hit and wound against one unit that you choose and everyone's one, yeah. going that's completely broken but it's really <laughs> not because you lose all your other army rules yeah, exactly. It's also exactly. not broken I, I, at all, is it? Because there's like multiple um, spells in the game that basically allow that exact effect today. Um, and yeah, I mean they're relative. And yeah, also if if that's like your only source of rerolls in your entire yeah. army, then yeah, again, you're it, need without that. without context. And, and I said I said this to someone actually. Where I made the point. I said, well, you know, personally, I think like point at a unit and go reroll everything against that unit because that's like your priority target right that's law wise like that's that is the bring it down that's what we want to get rid of right that's less oppressive actually because the other bear in mind again your opponent does have agency right your your opponent does have the ability to move his or no her, they don't uh, adam <laughs> they don't, you don't you're forgetting, models, you are forgetting that everything in warhammer is played in a vacuum that only suits the person who's complaining about its needs <laughs> Well, in in reality, right, they have agency over their models, and if you point at a model they, and go, they don't have agency, everything against that, they in can your go. Turn, I, pulled, I pulled down ten terminators and put them right in front of them, and oh, never God, have I'm never able to finish the line of sight <laughs> or ability to charge anything. Yeah, yeah and what but, we're yeah. actually doing is, I'm playing with the two thousand point army against your one unit of termagants. <laughs> yeah, my one unit of termagants. Yeah. <laughs> But what I was going to say is, leaving aside, you know, you have agency over, your opponent has agency over their army, they can move it, they can hide their unit, they can do whatever they need to do, you have terrain, we have things like that, unless you're playing Planet Bounded Ball, is that the reroll everything against one unit is a lot less oppressive, in my humble opinion, than having, you know, Grumbo Chuswit, right, who's not necessarily even the chapter master, but... Or, or sorry, is not ordinarily the actual chapter master or Primarch, but is sitting in the middle of your army and has all the relics, all the warlord traits and everything else and goes, oh yeah, not only does everything within six inches of me, Grumbo Chuswit, re-roll all hits and all wounds. I pick something, it re-rolls all hits and all wounds against anything it wants. You also re-roll all ones to hit. And then you've got my brother, Jumbo Chuswit, behind me. He's a lieutenant. And now everything re-rolls ones to wound. Like, you know, do you know what I mean? Like that is... That is in some ways more oppressive because it's more rerolls, it's more like attempts and chances to do it, and you also have to have Grumbo don't, and don't, Jumbo Chuswit on the table. And don't forget about staying in Devastator Doctrine to get all this extra AP. The problem, well, the yes. problem is, guys, is you're being reasonable, and <laughs> you're supposed to you're supposed to be incredibly unreasonable because this is <laughs> this is a broken change. It doesn't matter that what I have now is what is much much more powerful. This is a broken that, that change. This is going like up, and then things will be a lot harder to wound. Yeah. So if you oh, AP is going wounds, down, and this, that, all and your stratagems are going away, and you're only going to have a smaller set, and they're going to be more about reactions. So you might not be able to buff up units in damage. So this is maybe your only way of doing that. Like all this change so, that is going to happen that we have no yeah. idea about. 
and that that's that's essentially the core of what was going to be my vaguely insightful point before I launched on a rant about rerolls there, um, which was to say that I think the problem is is that people are thinking or people are stuck maybe in the mindset of what happened between eighth and ninth because eighth and ninth eighth to ninth was actually a sort of soft reset, right? It was it was the same game with changes, like with with little changes, right? And it looks like, based on what we've seen so far and based on what Games Workshop are announcing, while, yes, the core mechanics of the game are not changing, it seems, right? The core rules, it seems, are not changing that much. This is a bigger, a much bigger, much more impactful series of, of major changes from 9th to 10th than we got from 8th to 9th, right? It's Which is why they are being indexified. Exactly, I was going to say, which is why they are using the the opportunity to redo all the data sheets and do all, do it all as, as indexes, effectively. Right, that is the marker of that. So, again, will it be as big as seventh to eighth? Maybe I don't know. No, but is it bigger than eighth to ninth? Yes, absolutely. Right, they've already said to us. They've already said they've made or they've hinted. I thought it was really cool. They did a little hint at the bottom of an article. Again, this is why you read the articles, guys, because you actually get cool, interesting hints about what they're going to announce. You know, in the following releases. So presumably we'll get it at some point this week. They said about characters attaching to units. That yeah. was one they said they're going to talk about this week. Yeah. I'm really excited for that. That sounds really interesting because we've had that before in earlier editions of the game. Haven't had that through eighth and ninth edition. It's the return like, you know, of the Death Star, baby. Let's go, baby. Yeah, yeah boy. Um, but no, I, it's, cannot, it's, you know, I cannot wait. Someone's on one of the chats that I was in. Someone said, oh, no, characters are returning to units. There's going to be a return of the Death Star. Literally what you just said, I heard in the chat. And But the th- here's the thing. We don't have any context. It could be one character per unit rather than 15. <laughs> yeah, and it could also be that, you know, the... One of the, the biggest problems with the old Death Stars was... Do you want to... Just... Sorry, before before we go any further, Josh, do you just want to explain to anyone who's listening who didn't play pre-8, do you want to just explain what a Death Star, you know, if it isn't obvious, what it is, how it works, just briefly, if that's okay? The way, the way an old Death Star used to work was you had a unit and you would attach characters to it and then the characters' abilities would then pass on to the unit as well. So... More often than not, sometimes it would say this does not confer onto the rest of the unit, but it was a way of putting some pretty spicy rules from characters onto already spicy units. So, for example, attaching things like librarians and inquisitors and grandmasters to Grey Knight Paladins made Grey Knight Paladins hideous to try and play against because. What you would have is an instance where a, a Grey Knight librarian, for example, might have a psychic power that gives the bearer or the caster um, plus one to its invulnerable saves or something. And then because it's joined the unit and it's leading it, they now have all got plus one to their invulnerable saves. So it was it was a case of things could get out of hand when you combine certain things together. And there's instances mm. of, for yeah. example... And- that exact thing that I've just said of having an Inquisitor and a Librarian and a Grandmaster one, join a 10-man block of Paladin. To, to think about with those is a lot of the most egregious examples were when they allied with something else and brought in this specific character to give this specific yes, buff. Exactly, if you, yes. If you just take a step back and look at what they're doing with 10th, a lot of it seems to be looking at 9th and realising one of the 
problems with ninth is lots of rules overlapping on top of each other. And from what we've seen, there's still going to be like a fair amount of rules in the game, but they're splitting them out and putting them into attachments and putting them in these little baskets and then you choose which basket that you want rather than them all like, layering on the top. Do you yeah, think I, that they all have then looked at characters and said, oh yeah, we'll just allow everything to overlap on top of each other? Yeah, no, they I completely disagree though, guys. I completely disagree. There's no issue with rules overlapping. And now prepare for my admit command phase to take 10 minutes. I think all it's going to do God, is it's, it's going to remove... I think it's going to remove Lookout Sir from the game. And all you do is you attach your character to a unit. Well, I, I, I genuinely think that that's all it's going to do. extended to the entire unit, that would be really fun. Uh, yeah, well, the, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but I, suspect, <laughs> I suspect characters returning to being able to lead units is to get rid of Lookout Sir. Because Lookout Sir... <laughs> Whilst it's a fine mechanic, can be janky, and we know this no, that in eighth, in no. eighth, it was janky as hell because it was like there's there's men, there's innocent men three inches behind that wall, behind this character, and because of that, you can't shoot him. Excuse me, I was going to point out that actually, to your term of innocent men, the five innocent uh, Celestian sacrosants that sat behind the wall and then had a uh, the first of um, Celestine and her Gemini superior sat three inches away from them, or just under three inches away from them, with another another uh, Gemini superior two inches away from that Gemini superior, with then Celestine strung out another two inches away, and bear in mind she's on a 40 mil base, she was a lot bigger. That was perfectly fine, and none of them could be shot and I could just hold an objective from behind a wall that was about, what, cumulatively three, five, seven, like sort of seven to eight inches away? That was fine. There was nothing wrong with that. And for you to say there was anything wrong with that is a lie. <laughs> I'm going to remind There's... you of what you said about the Tyranids Codex. <laughs> no, I know. I know. I know. <laughs> I'm aware. I'm aware. I've but paid my sins. This is the point. I, th I think all it's going to do is remove Lookout, sir, as, as a janky mechanic. Um, because in principle, it's fine, but it it doesn't really work. If you're going to be targeting characters, then really, if you're not going to do that in the martial tradition of one-to-one, -one, mano on mano, then, you know, I, any kind of rule that prevent you from shooting them, I'm kind of cool with. I haven't really got a problem. I'm very much a fan of, you know, Commissars should look to take on Gazgul in one-on-one, -on -one, mano on mano combat. Um, and yeah, we should really just try and do all that we can to prevent any character from ever being targeted from range for exactly that reason. Well, that and that's one of those things that I hope does make a return. Similarly, on that note, is challenges. Oh yeah, I would like I would like challenges to make a return to the game, and it would make sense, right? Because if characters are able to lead units, they could then move through the unit and challenge. That that makes sense. Here's the other thing that I'm excited for is if to say, for example, to give a combat buff to your combat unit, you actually have to be attached to the combat unit. That means your character actually has to get into combat because they're mm -hmm. with the unit. Yeah, Rather that's than true. just standing that back and cool. shouting at people. It's characters are much going to be much more involved in the game rather than just being buff machines. Standing there on the sidelines like a like a dad at a Saturday morning football match, going, "Go on, kick him, kick him yeah. better." Yeah, well, I would like really it a lot. I'd like it a lot as well. If 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 
if if this joining thing does happen, if that loads of abilities in the game that move onto the data sheet are still very powerful, but they affect only the unit that you're in. So you do. Yeah, so so it, it affects them. So like, so let's say you have a combat character that lets um, that adds plus one to hit in combat. They're still getting plus one to hit in combat. You then put them in the unit, and the unit gets plus one to hit in combat, but only the unit gets plus one to yeah, hit in combat. It's not like they're choosing something and then that something is going off, or that they're choosing like three different things because it's an aura. It just affects the unit they're leading, yeah. we think. And that's just based on this little one line of. And even then, the way they mention it in the article is that these are upgrades or enhancements that you buy for a character. And some of those enhancements may also affect the unit that they're leading. So it's something separate you have to purchase, and then it may mm. affect the unit that you're... Yeah, if you look at the... I mean, the, the first use cool. of the word enhancements, obviously, was in boarding actions, wasn't it? Where they they brought the enhancements in, they effectively replace relics and warlord traits and do, you know, kind of a similar job, but it essentially means it's one... Uh, sort of one pull, and those those ones have exactly that mixture where some of them will be buffing, some of them are just directly and clearly they're sort of themed on on the the armies that they're available for, and I think they look quite interesting. I think the more interesting for me with characters too is also going to be who's going to be the exceptions potentially to that rule. So actually, would we expect to see, for instance, if I look on my shelf, my Gazgul have to join a unit? With his ridiculously large base, are we going to have to? Be, you know, yeah. clearly, I, I, some I, of these characters are not going to. That's a given, right? Yeah, like you, a hive tyrant. Any monster, for example, attached to anything apart from maybe tyrant yeah, guard, or the tyrant guard might be a separate unit that's close to them. So it's going to be interesting to see how monster characters and like primarchs. If they attach the units or if they don't, I and how think that works. Well, this is what, this is why what, we might have that epic hero character, right? Category, well, the epic right? hero is just epic hero, just named character. Because all it's like, well, like yeah. Gaz, though, yeah. right? It's what sorry, it's what I mean. I'm getting at right. There's someone yeah. like Gaz or someone like Gilliman or someone like the Lion I mean, or anyone like that. Like that would make sense. That maybe they don't. The one next tier down from that. So it's the ones then that are potentially are there going to be any other exceptions? So some characters more than likely they'll have to because sensibly. Any of the big base monster stuff, they're going to have to be separate, surely. What then happens to the ones that are somewhere in between? So you expect, yeah, random succubus, stick them in with a load of incubi or whatever. You know, random witch, put that, uh, not witch, um, can't remember the name of them now. But, um, you know, various different Drakari characters, you know, go and add them on. Um, all of the various different exarchs, stick them in, you know, into units. But I think what will be quite interesting would be the likes of, it's actually those people in the middle, you sort of, your um, your Calgars, your Dantes, your um, your your kind of mainly the named ones, probably you know slightly larger bases, almost on the majority of them as well. Those where you feel like actually it would make sense for them to potentially still be able to act alone, unlike say your various different lieutenant and standard captain leaders that you get across various different armies. So that, that I'm really keen to have a look at. But again, it just highlights that we don't know yet what the full extent of all of them is going to be and it would it would be really really interesting it's also going to be interesting whether some of those characters are locked into particular units that they have to run with you know it would make yeah. sense again and, to, and, yeah. has to be part of a victrix honor guard you know or dante has to be part of a sand guard or um you know various various ones that you see across the universe where they have personal bodyguards and what have you 
or are they just going to be able to attach to anything? I mean, it, there's loads of bits in there. And, and this, this relates to what we've been saying is that we're just speculating based on current rules, based on previous stitions, what we think it might be. We're not saying this is definitely how it's going to be because we haven't had the Warhammer community article about it. And if it's we're, not we're becoming there, everything it we doesn't exist and we have no idea what it's going to be. Problem is, Rich, we hate. I read one of the articles the other day, and in the article, they used the letter D 17 times, and they also used the word weapons. And oh, from that article, yeah, I have inferred I that, that D weapons are returning. <laughs> They've not said that in that combination, but they said, have you heard about the new weapons? D weapons. That's what that means. <laughs> Because there's a letter sounds, D. Sounds legit to me. Sounds legit that's, to doesn't me. It? Sure. Doesn't it? Doesn't it? Doesn't uh, it? Do you know what I'm really excited for, for, to find out? That, people that don't have the context for that, D weapons were basically instant kill in previous editions. Yes. Do you know what I really happened, want to know? We don't know. I, re- I want to know whether this version of And They Shall Know No Rules means that the Space Marines know no rules, or whether they very much know the rules. Because I think the ninth and ninth edition, well, and they see, shall know no rules, has not really done thing. anything. Here's the thing with and they shall know no rules, or fear as some people would know it. That was an army rule for Space Marines. They've already teased what the army rule for Space Marines is, and oh, mm-hmm. that's Oath a moment. So this could be the first edition ever where Space Marines know some rules. No, it'll be there. They'll know. They shall know. No, no. They've said that you know each faction is going to get one uh, army rule. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe there will be multiple army rules. We don't know. But from what we've heard, they've gone. Here is the army rule for Space Marines, and it's going to be Oath of Moment. And then they're going to get detachment rules, and it's going to be very simple, but well, simplified, but not simple. And these are the you know the only rules that you're going to get. And it, it would have yeah, been. one of the things that would go away. And they shall, the, no, the shall wording of it in this edition, um, the vast majority of modifiers to like leadership or that are going to cause you issues in combat attrition, they are still vulnerable to, unfortunately. Um, it is an almost meaningless army rule at this stage. So if they removed yeah. it, wouldn't have a problem with it whatsoever. Well, actually, on leadership, they have actually teased some leadership changes, and they actually sound really interesting, because for a long time, people have been looking at leadership and morale and it's just been a way to kill a couple of extra models and it hasn't been that impactful on changes and there are certain armies like night lords for example that work on debuffing leadership and they'd be like well they haven't really been that impactful in the game now it seems like so what have they said they've said that you could test for battle shock because it's got a new name uh in the command phase various different things like being under half strength and then you could struggle if you fail you could struggle to capture objectives use stratagems or fall back from combat all those three three things that they mentioned so far are very important yeah. to the game no absolutely. one of the yeah. best games i ever had was an age of sigma game where i ran a bravery bomb and the bravery bomb was minus 11 bravery and when it all went off, it was one of my favourite things ever, because all I had to do was <laughs> kill one model in a unit, and then you were at a minus 11 modifier to your bravery. It was so good. And I was playing against somebody, I can't remember what it was. Yeah. It was something um, that I had, I think it was Skaven. Had been in the game. Yeah. I, I know Drew had that for a long time as well. Yeah, but I was I was playing against this Skaven fella, where they've all got like 
leadership of bravery five. So you killed five of them, and then they would roll their dice. And the, th- the gentleman that I was playing rolled a six on this occasion, so lost 17 models to bravery. It was the best thing ever. I was like, bravery bombs, they're the way forward. And and then and then every 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 edition since has basically gone. There's some really powerful things that can happen in the bravery slash morale phase. Oh yeah, when? Because the last nine codexes have all been immune to morale. Yeah, I'm I'm quite excited about the new leadership mechanics because I think the probably the most complained about things, apart from layering of rules that we've talked about before. The most complained about things in previous editions have been terrain rules and leadership rules. Those are the things that people have been like, well, maybe they didn't get it quite right this edition. How could it change the next edition? Yeah, that's true. Is that, it's worth pointing an... out. Oh, gone. I think they did an excellent job of terrain rules uh, in ninth edition, and they did such a good job of it that they made it too good. Yeah, the terrain rules are too expansive and too granular and too good for what people want to play. We've talked about this before, where I'm just like, why don't people want to play on interesting boards? And you know this, that, and the other. Everyone sits down and goes, "So, um, should we play it all as ruins?" Yeah, yeah, pretty much. You never, you never really see dents, do you? That's one that I noticed that you don't really see very often. You do see dents. You don't see heavy cover. Oh, okay, heavy cover, yeah. yeah. Uh, you don't because there, there'll be a little bit of dense here and there, especially if there are any forests, but almost never see dense. Uh, the um, heavy cover. The ground is pretty rare as well, depending on. Certainly, you don't see it. Or you can see, but you see it in. I've seen it in Factorum events a couple of times, but on some of the. I've seen it a couple of times. Yeah. Again, it's kind of like forests or ruins. Those are your two survival types. I think WTC use a little bit of difficult ground, don't they? On some of their map packs, they have. Yeah, yeah, they do, and they they they've got slightly um, it probably makes sense for them as very different heavy. rules because they've got these sort of industrial events yeah. which have given their own keywords to, and that's the thing with the system is you give it these keywords or these attributes, and then it can be different yeah. things, um, and that that can feel very narrative if you've got this weird, strange piece of terrain you can give it whatever rules you want, which is great. But like you said, Josh, it's most of the time people go, let's do ruins. Mm. It's nice. I think it's because people don't want. And ruins is easy, right? Because it's everybody gets a benefit, and it's flat and it's easy. Every, everybody gets a benefit to using it as ruins. Mm. Whereas when you do like difficult terrain or impassable ground or anything like this, you do all of that stuff. You're you're saying I want to. You're asking people to say I want to play with a disadvantage in this area of the board, and nobody wants to do that. Mm. So then, what happens is when you do that, you know that kind of real traditional ITC thing where you have the two patches of difficult ground on the left and the right. No one goes up the left or the right; they all go down the middle because they're not going to move through the thing that makes them minus two to their. Uh, I've seen them used to, to good effect where you put a shooting unit in there and then they're harder to charge, for example. But there are definitely some maps where they're not put in the right places and then they have no impact on the game. Yeah, often often the terrain map at the at the tournament goes. There's difficult terrain in the place you'll never go. Cool. Yeah, I, I found the um, the worst for that is probably the the GW map packs where they put all the dents right on the edges. And sure, for some like really long firing lanes, it can kind of make a difference there. But for the most part, no one's going right to the edge of the board and then shooting somebody else that's right on the edge of the board. 
Yeah. I think I think one thing that I think would be good for us to do, maybe not in this episode, maybe at some point in the future, but is to kind of just look at, and we've talked about doing a review of Ninth, right? But mm. is to look at the questions that Ninth tried to answer, whether or not it did it properly. Because I think I yeah. think Ninth had such a it had such a good stab at it. And t- terrain is a great example because the the big problem with eights was that the terrain was just plus one to your save. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and I'll, that I'll was it. Eighth, broadly speaking, eighth was about simplifying the game. Ninth yes. was then going. Well, we simplified it too much, and we had to have like ten million FAQs. Let's write it a little bit more complicated so we don't have to have as many FAQs. But then they added more complexity and more complexity and more complexity, and now we've got too much complexity, and now Tenth is going to be simplifying it again. Mm. Broadly speaking, in terms of large, yeah, it's 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 the perennial problem of game design, right? And this is this is the thing that makes me laugh. Was it? I saw I saw somebody make a comment the other day saying that like forty k should be more like chess, and I don't think I've ever reacted. With as much kind of no uh, as when I saw that, I was like, no, it shouldn't. What makes it interesting <laughs> is it like it's yeah, far too. There, it, there's... You know, it shouldn't. It shouldn't be overcomplicated, but it needs to have a level of kind of complexity to it. Otherwise, it just becomes boring. Like well, you know, stuff should I be different. There's an element of chess you can bring into it, which they did in Age of Sigma, where every phase has two command abilities: one for you to do as the active player, and one for you to do as the passive player. So, for example, in the charge phase. There's Unleash Hell, and then there's yeah. is it Forward Unto it? No, that's Best Day Ever. Um, I can't remember what the other ones. So there's one that's Overwatch, and the other one is Reroll Charge. So you've both got something that you can do. Mm. And that's yeah. where you put that. You bring that element in, and they've said what, that that the game's going to be more reactive. Yeah, because doesn't Horus Heresy have that? Horus Heresy has like reactions that your mm. army can do. Like it has unique reactions that your your army can do in a certain. I mean, I've got the bloody rule book behind me. I should probably, yeah. probably I mean, reread one, it. One thing that I remember back from Warhammer Fantasy was some armies had a countercharge mechanic. So it's like if you had a unit of like Empire handgunners and something charged them, you know, I can't remember if there was Overwatch back then in those days, but instead you could have your unit of spearmen next to them charge the unit that just charged. So we maybe we'll see something like that. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. I mean, there's just so much scope for it, right? And and it's all very exciting. Can I just point out, we have just got virtually an hour's worth of chat out of this, and all I asked Rich was, what have you been painting recently? <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah. Maybe Josh. Which was dwarves. Painting? <laughs> yeah, Josh. What, 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 the... what? What's the next hour of chat going to be? Yeah. Why do you do this? No, you, but you, you, uh, you come uh, round to me, and you say... What have you been working on? And you know full well the answer is I can't tell you. <laughs> and that's like the end. That that is. And what you're yeah, doing is you're, you're making you're making you're making out to the audience that I'm some sort of roadblock. But I'm He's not, not a roadblock. I am not a roadblock. I, I, I like doing. No, excuse me. I like doing it because it it, it adds to your mystique, right? That you naturally have, which hey, is that also, we get to we get to know we go. What have you been working on? And you you paint stuff that's not necessarily things that you're not allowed to talk about as well. You do do stuff that is just you know. You've been not in the last week. <laughs> in the last you've been working week. on something with lots of trim that has that is a model that's been come out a long time ago. What, Ivia Volga? She only came out this weekend. 
<laughs> I did do no, that. You... To be fair, so I, I, the last last week there was, um, let me see, I painted redacted, uh, redacted, 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 and redacted. I made a start on Gilliman, and I finished off Mortazanos Effector, and I finished off the Ivia Volga, uh, the two new characters for the uh, Soulblight Grave Lords and the Ossiarch Bone Reapers, which are two very cool little models. I um yeah it it's a problem because I really want to do a soul blight grave lord's army and I now have a model and you know as a, as has been experienced by my audience before all it takes is one with me and then suddenly a year later one has 16000 points of a thing and um yeah it's a never ending uh, <laughs> you know I'm it's a it's a four set of uh, I think is what you would call it, of um, of hobby inspiration. Um, the only problem is, is I want to do, um, I want to do the, uh, uh, I want to do the forces of Styria from Castlevania on on Netflix, and I want to do a vampire lord. Slacking. Very cool. Is um, Carmilla, uh, and I currently, I think maybe one of the models is just about right in the Games Workshop range. I would need a fairly long-haired... Um... In fact, I did think about this the other day. There is one of the thing, one of the heads from the Tree Revenants. You know, they got the really long hair. The long hair, yeah. So it's one of the female heads from that with the really long hair on the... Is it Annika? Is that the name of the, um, of the model? The one that's like a... I don't know. ...in a dress. Um... I think I know the model that you're talking about. Let me just pull it up. I don't know the name uh, of it. I've forgotten it. Off Anik the is the one head. holding the mask. Uh, let me just let me just note that's that's the wrong thing. Soul Blight Grave Lords. Here we go. Um, yeah, Anik is either holding the mask or she's got the wing. Lady Anika the Thirsting Blade. Yes. Um. So yeah, to replace the head with that long flowing um hair. Uh, and to paint the dress entirely in red and black would be what I would do um, to do Carmilla of Styria. Um, problem is I don't know how to do uh, the other three ladies of the court. Um, so it's a little bit tricky at the moment. I'm still planning it because um, Ivia Volga doesn't really fit into that. But she would fit into Dracula's forces in the anime at some point. Yeah, absolutely, because there's loads of different vampires in that. So I don't really know how I'm going to do it, but I am going to do it. Um, It's just a case of figuring it out. I would also need to kind of find a lot of proxies for what would be Death Rattle Skeletons and uh, Deadwalker Zombies, but would be um, the Night Creatures from the show. Um, Mm. If you haven't seen Castlevania, I absolutely recommend watching it because it's amazing. Yeah, definitely Um, do recommend that. It's got a brilliant cast. I absolutely love it. Richard Armitage has got a fantastic voice for things like this. Um, also, some of the most unique uh, fight scenes I've ever seen in any thing at all. Oh, yeah, because you actually see what's going on. And if you haven't clocked on, this is the new Star Trek. <laughs> we can talk about that. I watched that yesterday. Yeah, no, no, no. Do, do you know what? The Soul Black, the idea of a Soul Black Gravelord's army inspired by Castlevania is actually very cool. Um, because as you say, the the issue I guess with those is that in Castlevania, all of the armies are actually vampires. Like I know there's the night creatures, 
yeah. as you just said. But most of the army of the vampires are other vampires. Like all yeah. the regular soldiers are like other vampires. Yes, it depends on the army, but yeah. Well, so there is there is some stuff um, that can be used as the soldiers, and you know the dire wolves are easy to just put in there as part of the part of the hordes of Dracula. The only issue is the night creatures play such a big part in the anime, whereas your main troops in a soul like Grave Lord's army are skeletons and zombies, which you don't necessarily have mm. in. Castlevania, not really. Um, yeah, not, in, to be clear, for fans of the game series, um, obviously what it's based on, uh, I'm on the anime, literally on the cartoon itself. Not, I'm not, I'm not ripping from the games. It is just from the thing because that's the thing I love the most. Because I, what I want to do is I want to do I want to do a two thousand point army of soul like grave lords, but then I also want to do Alucard. Um and uh, <laughs> Trevor and um, Cipher. I want to get the three I of them. The fact he was called Trevor as well. Yeah, <laughs> um, Trevor. I want to do the three of them. Um, and I suspect that when Cities of Sigmar comes out, I'll be able to do um, some more of the like the militia in the various towns in um, in uh, oh god, what's the name of the place? That's it. Where it's all based? It's gone off the top of my head. Uh, Wallachia. Oh, well, Wallachia. Yeah. Romania. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get get your get your medieval kingdoms here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what I might do is when the cities of Sigma stuff comes out, I might base my color scheme for them on the soldiery of Targovishta from the fourth series of Car- of of Castlevania. Um, because you know it's just really cool. Um. <laughs> I just love that. I, I rewatched it again. I think for like the seventh time recently. Nice. I absolutely adore it. I only watched it for the first time earlier this year. It's so introduced me to it. It's so good, and it's so Warhammer as well. That's every time I watch it, I'm just like, oh man, there's so many things in here that could be Warhammered. It is. It is very Warhammer, isn't it? It's very Warhammer fantasy slash yeah. Sigmar, even like. Yeah. It just works. It's the show that reignited my love for chain weapons. And whips, because I I, oh. I I always think that like oh, don't, don't pretend like your love for whips ever went anywhere. <laughs> but like it take so like you you'll see it kind of crop up every so. So have you have you ever seen the film Ninja Assassin? I have not. No. No, I don't think so. A right, better reference, you know, Scorpion in Mortal Kombat. Yeah. <laughs> With his uh, knife on the end of a bit of string, I can't remember what yeah. the weapon is called. It's 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 that it's rope dart that kind of thing. It's using those types of things. When you see it in in media, I really enjoy it. Ninja Assassin. There's some really good scenes with it. Um, but it's the same thing in Castlevania. The use of the um, of the of the Morning Star whip and all that kind of stuff. It just it always excites me. So I'm just like I just want this in my Warhammer games, and I don't want it to be an angry red Wrathmonger for my core. <laughs> I was about to say, yeah, you could build the Wrathmongers. They're fun. They're fun to build, and definitely not really fiddly. And they're never going to break ever. No, no, ever. No, never going to break. Never going to break. But just, it's like, so they recently, to bring it back to Warhammer, it, they recently did a one man army um, mod for Cursed City. Mm. On, yeah, I, on community. I saw that. Yeah. And I'd like to do a Cursed City game that is 
Castlevania inspired. Um, that would be very cool. That's that. Yeah. So that, that's what I really want to do. The problem is, is I have a YouTube channel that is my pure only source of income. And so when I go, how I painted the night creatures for my cursed city game, six people watch it and 15 people tell me off. Um, <laughs> so so I, I, I am currently beholden to painting the brand new redacted, redacted, redacted stuff, which is mostly what I focused on in the last week. And that's me. I'm out. Jamie, what have you been up to? In your hobby, uh, it's not a great deal for a few weeks. Then I've just sort of kicked it off in the last week or so, trying to get some other stuff done. So, um, I am painting up right now a Terminator Sergeant because I only have fifteen assault Terminators and uh, only one of them's a Sergeant. So I now need to have a different Sergeant so that I can split that into two squads for next weekend at London Open, where they're going as two squads. Um, and then I've got a couple of units that I'm adding to my list for said London Open next weekend. So I am panic painting up another squad of infiltrators because they're bloody great. Um, and I'm panic painting up something that I never thought I'd I'd touch, and I feel really dirty. And uh, oh, is it the t-shirt cannon marines? And I didn't even convert them. <laughs> I didn't even convert them no. at all. I just I. I just went, you know what, I've really quite, I got kind of obsessed over a couple of days about the idea of doing a ridiculous alpha strike that will not be good because I mean, Blood Angel's crap at the moment anyway, so I'm not expecting much. Um, but just this ridiculous alpha strike where I would jump a Dreadnought out of a drop pod, which I haven't done in ages and I love doing, so he's coming. Um, I will do the Forlorn Fury with the Death Company because that's just the most fun thing about the entire Codex. Um, and then also on top of all of that, also have Desolation Marines and basically say to people, I'm going to try and do loads of stuff in turn one uh, and then I'm going to try and deep strike everything in turn two. And then in turn three, I'm going to go for a pint and you're probably going to continue to score points. But uh, a lot of fun <laughs> to do I, mean, Just, I like it. There's like a lot it. of fatigue that you can get in an event when you're yeah. playing, you know, five, six games that are each three hours long. So to have an army that either plays very quickly so it's like cool it's going to be decided in it's, two or three turns or to have an army that has a much smaller like amount of models so you don't have to to play it like as much you don't it doesn't take up as much time it's not a it's long been a philosophy of mine since i gave up death guards to uh basically have my blood angels just be really bloody fast uh, because it is it is a wonderful thing for events and actually one my probably the most stress-free list that i ever took to multiple events was my all dreadnought list and um, the 11 dreadnoughts is wonderful fun because it's just like a night army right but actually even dreadnoughts and even less fun. things going on and about two stratagems that you can even use because everything else has core or infantry <laughs> or whatever on it it's basically just yeah. okay do you remember the words wisdom of the ancients and then otherwise just walk about trying <laughs> to hit stuff it's good fun um and that that was you know it, i will not I like say it. that the list performed well that that didn't happen, but it was wonderfully fun to play. Um, and you know, I mean, yeah. you say that. I I went to an event uh, with a good friend of ours, uh, Ollie, and he brought <laughs> not all dreadnoughts, but I think like one of every dreadnought that he could at the time. Oh. So five, six dreadnoughts, and he came best space. Marines, he did. He got like, your four and one at the Open. Was it last year or the year before? Yeah, I yeah. Think it was the year before. Well, I know because the one loss yeah. he had was me. Yeah, I mean, he's he's. <laughs> Taking. So he's not that good a friend. Similar. 
I think I think with Ollie, <laughs> he's kind of reached a similar point. I think at least anyway to to me in kind of going yolo. It's end of ninth. Play with fun stuff. Like not really. No, no, not at all. He does that every event regardless. I mean, his, was... oh, here's a really competitive tournament. Cool. I'm going to take all these, like, before they were good, land speeds oh, with yes. flamers. Yes, absolutely. He, he does quote some real wacky... I mean, the last list I saw him play was at ICT, and he had um, what I can only describe as the 8th edition Death Guard list of... All... It, very much yep. Don Hoosen Death Guard. Yep, all it vehicles. was exactly that, and it was lovely. But he, I think, yeah, he's he's taking the Salamander Drakes again to Lopen. So I would love to bump into him, to be honest. That'd be well. His, now he's got a dreadnought it, that has melters in it. So of course you got. Yeah, to I was going to say. It, it, I hope to see a Salamander's Brutalis from him because his Sully Dreadnought list. I've played against it. It's the oh, double Overwatch. It's, it's such a double, it's the, it's the, I'm going to Overwatch stuff. you with two different. Oh, the more wounds. Once. Oh, and that means I've got around about forty flamer shots. Um, and I, the last time I played against him with that, we were playing on a on a pretty crap table for me, but like no breachable, basically. So it's like, okay, so um, at some point I'm just going to have to eat it. So let's chuck something at you yeah. as a throwaway, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's not good fun being Overwatch. It's the more it's the oh. mortal wounds as well. It's the mortal wounds on Sally yeah. Sally Flamers. It's just like. Oh, um, no, it is really cool. He comes really up with cool. great list concepts every um, time, and that, that'll be really fun. But yeah, as I say, I've just reached the point yeah. where I, Blood Angels are kind of in the dirt a little bit in general. I, I've, I've had really good fun running some slightly different Blood Angel stuff over the last few months, just as a result of that. And I'm just going to continue doing it. The main thing it's going to culminate in, so the thing I'm going to start working on next week, hopefully, um, is, well, I mean, one thing is Building Actions Terrain, but after that... I'm then going to start my final list of uh, ninth edition, and that will include three battle predators and three land speeders uh, because I've not played them all edition, and <laughs> I, like I don't it. see any issue with taking three land three battle predators to competitive events uh, with the UKTC. And here's the thing: final. play with what you enjoy playing with. Like no. that's like the core of it. Just like doesn't matter if it's like the best meta thing here and there. Play with it. Because oh, you absolutely. like playing they with it. And honestly, like I, I've built a ton of lists that are off meta, and because they're slightly different to what everyone else is running, you can actually do pretty no, well. No, no, funny enough, it, I absolutely yeah. agree. Yeah, I definitely. mean, I don't think the bowl preds are going to be the answer. Um, there's something about the fact that I'm also going not with the bolters, but with the flamers, with their wonderful D6 number of shots and no blast, and the potential for that to go incredibly wrong throughout the game. Um, <laughs> I've played enough with them on TTS over the winter of lockdown to know that they are they are you know just incredibly unreliable um but but there'll be one game where they do amazingly basically going around again being a bit yolo end of edition um let's finish the game quickly and um and we'll see what they can do um and occasionally you know just basically reacting like the elmo on fire um gif um, and kind of running around screaming fire, fire, because I've managed to get paired into elves, and then the bar presences will shine. Love it, love it, love it, love it. No, it's good. It's a good excuse to say for the end of the edition, just play. And with it's, it's a nice like. way then to hobby um, some stuff that I just wasn't going to get round to, but really wanted to. I, I painted a bar print at the start of the edition, didn't like what I did with it, sold it, um, never really played with it. Played with it a bit on TTS, and that was it. But it is such an iconic vehicle. I have fears over just how long it will necessarily be in the game um 
and just how much mm. worse it could become as a unit if it is still in the game. So I'd far rather just go, hey, let's paint up a bunch of them and just do a, a Wild Stallions uh, Bile Predator flanking manoeuvre um, that ends in one casualty all on my side. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, no, that's pretty cool. Um, I mean, I've been I've been painting lots of trim. No one asked. Um, uh, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it anyway. Can I, can I, can I, can I ask you Adam. before you start just proffering your own? <laughs> All right, fine, you can ask. I was just trying to keep Is things. Is on a model, Adam? Adam. Yes. <laughs> what have yeah, you been working just, like, on? Flooring trim. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, as I say, I've been painting lots and lots of chaos trim, uh, specifically on world eaters, because um, I'm taking world eaters to Warhammer World, uh, Warhammer World, Warhammer Fest, I should say, for the doubles tournament. Um, and what, as as Josh has quite rightly pointed out, it's quite funny because with Chaos Armies, Chaos Armies look really cool and their models are really detailed and really beautiful. But what nobody, you know, what you don't think about when you go in is the sheer volume of like edge trim that they have around all of their pauldrons, all of their armor. They're all covered in like the spiky bits that you have to do gold. And I did the Thousand Suns, and they they were quite hard because. They have a lot of kind of twisty filigree stuff. Somehow, these world eaters are worse. Um, I, probably because, to be fair, I'm doing so. I'm doing mine uh, in uh, the bit of lore from the book that I thought was actually the coolest, um, which is Gladiator Cardra three three one. And uh, the whole shtick of Gladiator Cardra three three one is they still wear the traditional blue and white of the Legion, so they're very much the kind of thirty k. Uh, color scheme. They're not just like red. Presumably, so um, rather than wearing and... that color consciously, it's that they're actually they're the clean ones. They each time after they've shed a load of blood in battle, um, they're like, "Oh no, we don't want stains. Go get the vanish." Well, no, they're yeah. That's their 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 law. Actually, I'll go. I'll grab the the codex from behind me. Many pots of Corax white. <laughs> <laughs> What yeah, Adam's a, not telling a... you is that he and Rich are going for the tournament <laughs> win. I mean, we're not. We're just not by default. <laughs> it would be but we're very try. impressive if I could win a tournament without being there. No, no. Uh, sorry, other yeah. other Rich, <laughs> other Rich, Rich What's Smith. Yeah. Say? Rich Smith. No, because they're taking um, they're taking World Eaters and Guard together. Yay! Go together. Like well, I'm sure they could be Renegade Guard. <laughs> Hang on, I'm I'm trying to find this uh, this piece of lore because I think it's really cool. Here it is. Which it's I, I think you know, fair, fair enough. You know, go 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 for it by all means. Um, it's, I mean, you it's are a... you are bringing Bellacore and Scarbrand, are you not? Yes, backed up by Thunderwolf Cavalry. <laughs> it, fair. Um... <laughs> I'm not. Um, I'm not saying to. Uh, I'm not. Um, you know, we we've played. Uh, Alice and I have played a couple of games with it, and we've got a really good combination. I think we've got. It's a. It's a fun dyna- dynamic. Um, sort of two thousand point army. But I could just make her take my Astra Militarum and um, paint up twenty Cassican and go for the tournament win, uh, <laughs> which would be horrid. But um, would you have as much fun? I would be the tournament champion at Warhammer Fest. Of course, I would have fun. Let's <laughs> <laughs> have fun and want to play again. No. This is this is this is this is the the law the law section. 
behind this this thing. So it's Gladiator Cadre. It says, uh, exhibiting behavior highly unusual among the warbands of the World Eaters, the Chaos Space Marines of Gladiator Cadre 331 still wear the white and blue of the old Legion, although most often it is stained red with the blood of slain enemies. So they don't necessarily clean themselves. Um, and basically their whole thing is they lean into the whole like gladiatorial combat dueling side of things. And that's how they maintain their discipline. So they haven't completely lost themselves to the nails because they constantly fight in these gladiatorial battles. And they have this cool sounding dude who I've, I've made a model of. I'm going to paint him up. He's going to be a, a proxy master of executions in my World Eaters army until they, you know, at some point, if we get more models or more um, a bigger range, if they add like a, a Chaos Lord on foot effectively, like a Berserker Lord or something, then he would he would be that. But for the time being, he'll be a, a master of executions. Um and he's called, uh, what is his name? Hang on, it's here somewhere. Do, 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 do. Brian. Brian. Brian the Berserker. Oh, Ke- Kestus Thrax, which is a great name. Um, and he believes that the world eaters could unite, or also once believed the world eaters could unite around the doctrines he espouses of kind of, you know, gladiatorial pit fights and sort of honour through Sounds like he's a bit of a Rebute Goodman of the world eaters. Uh, yeah, but it says the madness of his erstwhile legion brothers has since convinced him that unity is now all but impossible for the thirty uh, for the for the twelfth. So he's uh, he's given up. <laughs> he's given up on the whole thing. He's just like that. Nah, they're all mental. We'll stick with ourselves. We'll do our own thing, and then yeah, they can do their their thing. It's good. It's not going to happen. Um, but no, I did, I did it because it's it's something different. It's um, I think it's a good opportunity to do some different coloureds um world eaters models um but the obviously again when the point about all the trim is because obviously the majority of the armor is white and i've done that first and then done all the shading on that i have to be quite careful when i'm kind of going around so it's taken an inordinately long time to do all of the edging uh, on these guys and i need to get them painted up because i am actually i'm i'm, I'm away next weekend so i'm not here so I, my, my number of weekends before warhammer fest to get this all finished and all up to the stand that i want it you know which is Really, to try and match my Angron um, is is going to be uh, is going to be quite difficult and quite quite time constrained. But I'm giving it a go. I'm actually, I mean, I'm actually going on. I'm going away. I'm going to Rome, and I'm going to go to the Colosseum. So I've got the chance to see the actual the actual gladiatorial arena, as it were. So it's a little bit of inspiration is quite nice. If I see pictures of you at the Colosseum wearing a white T-shirt with blue shoulder pads, I should I should get one, shouldn't I? You should. I should get one. Yeah, I can rock up there. Just like take 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 a couple of dice and then like two models and have them fight each other. Just like find a little corner and <laughs> roll some dice. Uh, you, if you yes. like stop up at Pompeii beforehand, you can collect several skulls and make yourself a skull throne there, and you know just really go for it. I am. Well, I'm good. I'm. I am going to Pompeii as well. So uh, yeah, there you go. They, That's my itinerary, whole, guys. That definitely won't get me arrested. Them up like they're litter, and they've left them outside. So really, you'd be doing them a favour, I think. Just. Grab a few, make yourself a own. Can I take these for some basing material? <laughs> skulls for the skull can you, can you imagine just Angron just on a huge skull, like an actual skull? He's <laughs> plonk him down. That's a really good resin cast. Where'd you get that? Uh, yeah. Resin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Sure, yeah, that's what that is. This, this definitely isn't Fulvio, who got melted 2,000 years ago. No, that'd be a weird conversation at the airport, though. You got anything to declare, sir? Uh, well, zip. <laughs> is that a skull? Yes. <laughs> I think it's really cool, though, that you are seriously that you are going for the the white and blue. I'm, I'm quite glad they put that option in there, but I am 
nothing other than in awe of the fact that you've manfully taken on the task of saying, would I rather paint red or white and deciding to indeed go for white? Like, I, I know. It's just, I, know, uh, I mean, I, know. I really... I really heavily thought about it, but I just cannot see myself spending that amount of time on uh, on power armor. I think it would, yeah, be the death of me. Doing a couple of sound priests has been enough for it me, is, and I've just yeah. sort of gone, nope. Really like, really like what I've done with them. It is, it is. Never doing it again. Well, do you know what? It's it's and again to to shout out our fellow presenter here. It was Josh's uh, World Eaters thirty k tutorial, the Horus Heresy one that really helped out so it's um like a soul blight gray wash and then seraphim sepia in some of the details to kind of bring out the kind of like dirty white armor and obviously what i'm going to do is well i'm going to flick them with you know or dab them i guess with blood for the blood god over a lot of the armor just to kind of bring it all together um so i think it'll i think it'll be good when it's done but yeah we're getting there we're getting there but uh we'll, we'll see we'll see how things get on before i uh before i go uh, I need to actually, as a good point, I need to contact them about my Chaos Sprawn proxy that I'm going to be using. So, yes, I need to do that. Otherwise, I won't be allowed to play. And to be clear, my proxy isn't anything too mad. I was, I'm going to use one of the uh, accursed cultists on a bigger base because I've seen other people do that. Have you changed your mind from using the yeah from the Theradon, Theradon? Yeah, no, I've changed my because he's too different. You know, it's too much of a stretch. I think I was going to use an Ogroid Theradon from. Um, I mean, the AOS Slaves to Darkness. Models. Yeah, and you know, I figured like, you know, it's a big kind of bull thing with an axe, right? It could pass as a, a well, sort of coordinate spawn. Yeah, they you could have it like not even as like a spawn, just be like, oh, I'm gonna use it as a spawn, but it's like a Cornet Beastman, because Beastmen are now part of 40k. I mean they have been for a while from Black Fortress. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So could be like, here's a Chaos Beastman, I'm gonna use rules for spawn. I mean, I'm going to, I'd say it's one of these, these things about, you know, contact your TO and, and Josh was, was right about this and he suggested I email them. So I will email the GW organizers of, of the Warhammer Fest tournament with, and I'll, I'll put both in there and say, you know, look, these are my two options for using spawn. Is one of them okay, please? They're both your models. Um, and hopefully it'll be fine. It's not like a 3D printed anything or something. It's a, it's a, it's a GW model in either case. Yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, the, the, the uh, an independent tournament wouldn't have a problem with it, but and I don't think Warhammer Fest really would. It's just you need to let them know. I mean, it is going to be Warhammer Fest, and when Adam and Rich are on the top table with their hideous list, I don't know why you think this is going to go all the way to the top table. We are going to run head first into like Taldar again, like Jamie and I did at Warhammer World Doubles, and get stomped. <laughs> because one of you is taking Angron and the other one is taking a Rogaldorn and 20 Kasakin. That's why. Is he, is he I, I actually genuinely I genuinely don't know what Rich's list is. Is he taking 20 Kasakin? Is that that was plan? what it was last time of I spoke he, to him. Right. Okay. I, I need to I should, I, I need and Lord, to sorry, and Lo, and Lord Solar Leontes, Solar Leontes and the yeah. Lehman Russ with the gatekeeper cannon. So it's like you can you can protest all you like, but when you're bringing, I'm not, I'm not protesting at all. I'm not protesting at all. I'd happily try and go to top table. I just don't think we will. I think there will be somebody with with something equally as nasty and better player skill that will uh, will will take us out. Yeah, um, me with um, 
or you just Six forget to move on to the cavalry. objectives, as is what happened with us when we were playing in the doubles tournament. Yeah, 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 but we just forgot to move on to the... I would have happened to well, me twice to be now, fair, right? We, just were like playing, we were playing against orcs, and we were like, mm, maybe we shouldn't push forward because these orcs are going to charge us. Really, we had enough durability that we could have pushed forward, but we I didn't. know, I know. <laughs> we, we underestimated our durability on that one, Rich. That was a, that was a, an interesting... Yeah, uh, so. and it, that was a good learning experience. It was a good learning experience. Exactly. And actually, I should say that that game uh, was against, uh, again, our friend uh, Ollie Missick, who I should have mentioned earlier, if you're interested in seeing some of Ollie's work, do check him out on Instagram. He's I think he's at oliver.missick, M-I-S-I-S. I C K. Um, he, he became briefly he became famous on Spanish hobby Twitter, um, which was quite funny. I was on Twitter and I saw a load of Spanish hobby accounts started posting pictures of his um, his like space orcs. But yeah, like so it, all, all... he did like one of the the great squigs with the war buses. Yeah, it. he did of that. But all his space orcs are wearing um, space squigs, astronaut outfits. Yeah, and so he put his squig in a spacesuit. Yes, yeah, and there were all these people on on like uh, Spanish language hobby Twitter who were like, "This is really like obviously me pressing the translate tweet button." But like, this is really cool. But I wonder who made it. And I was just like, "I know that guy. I know who he is. Go check him out. Let's give him the credit he deserves." So, uh, so yeah, do do go check out Ollie's Ollie's stuff because he's <laughs> a lovely was guy. When Ollie pointed out to us. Said, "You know what the best part about those squigs is?" Oh yeah, they have a bite attack. <laughs> yeah, and here they are with this plastic helmet that he, or like <laughs> resin helmet that he's like over the top. Over yeah, them. yeah. <laughs> they just they they just nut you with the dome. That's why they just hit you with the dome like that, like Glasgow Kiss or whatever. Um, I'm super pumped yeah. for doubles. Oh, I'm well excited for doubles. I'm well excited for Warhammer Fest. If anyone, by the way, if anyone listening is going to Warhammer Fest, do do message us. Do let us know if you're going to be coming along because you know Josh and I certainly will be there. Um, and yeah, we'll we'll be wandering about, so we'll probably bump into you at some point. And you know, happy to say hello, or I am anyway. Don't know about Josh. Um, I'll be the man with sixteen cameras, looking stressed, <laughs> walking around with like a full rig rig on. Yeah, I was looking at this today, and I thought about buying a full um, bodysuit, I uh, steady cam rig. I don't have a camera that's capable of utilizing such a thing, but it would look hilarious. So I'd be walking around said, with when... those, like you know, like when you see them doing running shots with a gigantic overhead um, IMAX <laughs> yeah, camera, basically a harness that attaches to your body so yeah. it doesn't shake as much. I do have I a mean, friend must... of mine who used to run a um, a camera rental place, and he has. Some, you know, those those um those IMAX red cameras. He has one or two of them, and they are enormous, and they are horrible, and they are difficult yeah, to handle. I mean, and I was like, those are <laughs> should I the take one professional top end stuff? <laughs> yeah. Aren't they also? Aren't they also worth some ludicrous amount of money? Oh yeah, oh yeah, hideously Who expensive. Was I was someone I was talking to. I this was like a couple of years ago. I'm sure somebody, it was one of the guys that comes down to Battlefield, Battlefield Bermondsey, which is one of our sort of local gaming groups here in, in South London. Um, he bought like a camera with him of some kind. And he was saying like the amount of, no, you know who it was? It was Morgan. Our was friend Morgan. Say, it would who be the guy who's play a around with... cameraman and director. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And he was, he was he was just showing me like his camera bag that he had with what was in it and telling me what each like bit of the camera was worth, like just the different lens options he had in there. And I was like, that's worth more than all of my Warhammer put together. Like just that one lens, like it's insane. <laughs> and that's saying something considering that's the one thing that's like the biggest moving problem for you. 
exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When they're like, what's your biggest asset? I'm like, well, <laughs> it's small plastic painted people. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, it's crazy. Um, I've been looking at some of the stupidest things I could do. I thought about renting, um, what is it? It's a Sony A7 something or other, which shoots in 8K. Um, just, to, <laughs> just to be able to pull some obscene 240 FPS 8K footage of very slow motion eating of chips. I thought you and I, I thought we'd already agreed that you and I were both going to wear like those face down GoPro, like top down GoPro things. So we look like Francois Bourgeois off yeah. of uh, TikTok oh, and then we'll put the it on your three, channel. 360 ones. Re- yeah. yeah, we'll get reverse a 360 degree <laughs> camera so you see the outside world. So it looks like you're traveling <laughs> over a tiny globe <laughs> as you're walking around Warhammer Fest. A little bit yeah. for Warhammer. I'm super pumped for it. It's going to be super awesome. Adepticon was on a scale undreamt of in terms of the reveals, and they only did that because something big is coming for tenth, uh, for tenth, for um, for Warhammer Fest. Because otherwise, they would have held that back. Because well, one Adepticon reveal. One thing that they've said is that either they haven't said when they'll reveal it, but either at Warhammer Fest or before Warhammer Fest, they're going to reveal the entire contents of the starter box set. And I they've said it. it's going to be big, going to be packed full of minis. So I'm very excited to see what will be in that. <laughs> I think it will be at first. But that's but that's just one thing. Because Adepticon didn't have... A, what you would normally expect, at least what I would normally expect from reveal sessions like that, is that things like Adepticon, it would be, we're going to be talking about all of the awesome stuff that's coming out, and you would get like one really awesome thing, and then 20 minutes about a tree man that plays for the Hobbits in Blood Bowl. We didn't get any of that. <laughs> so, there, I think we're going to see all of that, but there has to be some other really big stuff, because it's been 40 years of Warhammer. Yeah, it is the 40th anniversary this year, isn't it? And it, this also looks like it's going to be one of the biggest Warhammer Fests. It's going to be one of the biggest ever Warhammer ever well. Fests. Like, I've been to a Warhammer Fest before, and it was big, but this is seems to be like it's on another scale. Well, I mean, I've 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 been to a Warhammer Fest before, and I've been, I've been to a number of events at the venue that it is being held at. And like when they say on Warhammer Community, they're like, "Yeah, this is a huge venue." Like they are not kidding. I mean, bear in mind this thing for people who, who don't know Manchester and don't know Manchester Central, right? it's basically it's like it used to be a station so if you imagine like you know like water you know i'm putting this in a very london context right but you think about like i don't know king's cross or something or 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 waterloo or even paddington right any of the big those big victorian stations you think about the main kind of area where all the tracks are under the big like you know roof the big kind of ironwork roof it's that but all the train tracks have been taken out and it's just it's just convention floor, basically. Yeah, it's That's absolutely a pretty big space. Yeah, and there's all kinds of. It's a big convention center. There's all kinds of adjoining like auditoriums and stuff which are on the side of it. Like there, there's, there's, there is a, it is a huge, huge venue. Like this is where like party political party conferences get held, and like, like my partner's been something for the NHS there. They had a big, like, uh, a big kind of NHS event there. Like, it's massive for for Warhammer or for, sorry, for Games Workshop to be using that as a venue. And the fact that, as as I understand it, the Saturday tickets are sold out now. Um, so so like, it, it's going to fit a lot of people. Um, let's my, put it that way. So it's my, very exciting. My expectations are unreal, unreasonably high. Because mm. I'm I'm thinking. We might even see the first snifter of the old world. 
Ooh, that'd be cool. Because it's 40 years of Warhammer. People and it's have Warhammer definitely been talking Fest, about that. And 10th edition is big, but it is not big enough for 40 years of Warhammer. There has I mean, to the be old something world else as well. Warhammer Fantasy is where everything started. Exactly. So I think we're going to see, even if it's, even if, right, it's just a 3D render or one painted miniature from that range, it's going to make so many people cream their little pants, including myself, <laughs> at Warhammer Fest. Even if there's all 10,000 festival goers crowding around one cabinet with one <laughs> Empire Great Swordsman from the Who new knows? box in it, it's, it it's could enough. It's to start a set of Bretonians versus Tomb Kings. That's what Ooh, I'm hoping for because it's the ultimate, it's the ultimate, you know. That to everybody who was like, "Hey, you seeing those rebels? Because he's got rid of these two factions." Well, they're both now in this box. Everything comes back around again, even square bases, and that's what they said when they first announced it. But I'm hoping, I'm really hoping that we just get a snifter of that going on. I don't think we'll see a full reveal of it, no. but because I think I think that's too much to reveal at one weekend. Because let's face it, everybody's going to be hopped up on Warhammer Sugar. Everyone's going to be super excited because there's new stuff. Everyone's going to have COVID. So if you introduce two <laughs> oh, massive God. reveals at once, um, then it's going to be too much for our little hearts to take. Most of us have been indoors, sat down for the last three years. And Adepticon came very close to giving me a coronary because there were so many good things, just bang, 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 one after the other. Everything was fantastic. Mm. I cannot see this Warhammer Fest being his 10th edition, here's a tree man for Blood Bowl. <laughs> I, I can't see it being that. And I don't I really think it hope, will be. Can I just say, regardless of what else they do, and I do hope they do all the cool things, I really hope they announce tree man for Blood Bowl now. Like, well, that's bro, fine. Really if they, it's fine if they do, but they can't do a you know grand auditorium reveal <laughs> of, we're going to spend 45 minutes talking about the 10th edition box, Oh, and by the way, here's a star player for Blood Bowl. You're, that's, you're gonna, that's it. You're you're gonna you're gonna uh, walk in to the venue, right? Starry eyed on on the Saturday morning, and immediately as the as the as the light you know clears from your eyes, and the venue comes into focus, and you look across the sea of people, you're gonna see an 18 foot cutout of Bundo Treebark, the new star player for the Tree Men that we're all being encouraged to take a photo with under the hashtag Tree Men for Warhammer. And you're just going to go, fuck. I'll leave. If that's it. <laughs> if that is it. If that's the only other thing that's going to be talked about. Is it? Because, I mean, come on, right? You know, there's 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 Titanicus. There's Horus Heresy. There's Necromunda. Necromunda there's Warcry. There's Blood Kilty. Bowl. There's Aeronautica Imperialis. There's Kilted. There's Lord of the Rings. There's the Lord of the Rings. There's Age Which of will Sigma. have the, the... They've been doing, like, something every year for the anniversaries of the Lord of the Rings films. Return of the King. see something new for... Like a new big box set for that? Yeah. Oh, maybe oh. we see an announcement for Rings of Power Warhammer, and then everyone will get really mad at Games Workshop again for some reason. <laughs> um, but my you know, friends, you play with no one. It's just—it's gonna be—it's gonna be a good time. And if it isn't, I will probably not make a video about how great it is. But I won't make a video about how it's bad it is. It's going to I think it's going to be a great time, uh, and it's going to be it's going to be awesome. And there's going to be lots of cool stuff that gets previewed, and I hope I get sent all of it, but not all at once because I'll die. <laughs> <laughs>
well the the again bundo tree bark is going to be the difficult one right that'll be the one that i'll lead with i won't do anything else i i will bin off everything apart from that blood bowl star player whatever it is (laughs) i know do you know what we shouldn't we shouldn't we shouldn't even mock because blood bowl has like a huge following I know it's it does. Like, it's a really good game. Yeah, they're a very dedicated player base. It absolutely does. I just I can't remember which one it was, but it was during one of the COVID weeks of previews. I think it was it was it was one of the like. Do you remember when they did like when they did a Warhammer Fest online? Yes. And they did a re- reveal every day, and they did a, a stream every day. I think it was the box games one, where twenty five minutes of it was spent on. The one model from the uh, from the, the little tree the, man with the, the squirrel, the, right? The tree man with the squirrel, and then it was just like, oh, and you know, there's some stuff from Necromunda as well, and it was like, I I kind of feel cheated out of the last hour of my life. I'm not going to lie. That tree man well, and squirrel were talked about in Blood Bowl circles for about six months afterwards. It was very, they were very very <laughs> popular. They just appealed to the sensibilities that are on display from a community that like to Bowl players, yeah. Like, yeah, I, I do love that, like, the favourite model that, like, one of the favourite models of the last couple of years, he's put out these big, amazing, like, incredible models, and still the, one of the community's favourite yeah. models of all time is the crab. Hey, That's hey don't mess with the crab. The, the crab. the crab's a star, the crab's a legend, and the crab, despite being an Underworlds model, I'm going to put him on the base of the Ideneth army I will eventually build. He is yeah. going to be on the. He's, even if I just can integrate him somehow into the army, even if he's on the base of an Achillean, he's got King his own war scroll or a Leviathan. I know he does, but I'm like, am I I'm probably? Gonna, I would, I'd rather have him where he's going to appear in my army, even if I have to have multiple versions. He's going to be a bit. Use the war scroll, Adam. Emotional support crab. Stop planning for your eels army. It's not even meta anymore. Well, no, but you have to use the whole. You have to use the whole. The whole. All of them, right? You can't yeah, just use the crab not? on his own. I just want the crab. Thing? I don't care about the stupid fish. But just put them as the unit leaders first. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Anyway, I it's going to be great. Your war war scroll puritanism. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I want to use this model, and it's like well, it's got rules. Yeah, I know, but then I have to take the whole squad of you know Blumbo the fish or whatever. I just want to. I just want to put the model because I think he's cool. He is cool, and he has a war scroll. <laughs> I don't know. He doesn't. He doesn't have his own war scroll. He has. A, he has a squad. Tell you, tell you what, you should put like a couple of them together and use it as a chaos spawn. Because anything can be a chaos spawn, right? You can do that. If you and want. and like, as we know, as we know from what is top it? Of each other. I can't remember what the correct, the Latin term is, but the ultimate form of evolution is a crab, right? There, have you you seen this this yeah, thing that yeah. everything every, everything is eventually towards moving crab. towards being a crab? Yeah, I saw that. I think so, you struggle yeah. to use the crab as a chaos spawn, given as it comes on a twenty-five <laughs> mil base. That's what I was saying. Stack three of them on top of each other. And maybe <laughs> a, trench a trench coat, coat over the top. <laughs> three three <laughs> crabs in a trench coat, and that's my chaos spawn. No, I like it. Um, no, I, I think I think regardless of what you um, are into when it comes to the world of Warhammer, you're going to see some really big reveals. It wouldn't surprise yeah. me if we saw um, the end and the death part two. Yes, yes. And it also wouldn't surprise me if we saw some other Black Library stuff come out. I heard Maybe. an interesting rumor that Schaefer's Last Chances might be on the way. Oh, that's interesting. As Black Library model- models, that would be very cool. I mean, we got Gaunt's Ghosts. Yeah, we did get Gaunt's Ghosts. It makes sense to like add them that way. Yeah, uh, and also, you know, there's stuff that's coming further down the line uh, for um, tenth. 
you know, because like there will be yeah, they could talk about the first couple of codexes mm. and also a new novel that probably explains it, introducing some new characters. Because uh, you know we got Captain Massinius at the tail end of ninth, three books after he was first introduced, <laughs> I think, uh, in the Dawn of Fire series, right? He's yes. in that. He's quite a big deal in that. You um, know, I want, I want, I want the uh, for the third part of the uh, Talon of Horus Black Legion trilogy. I want that, and I want Black Library models for each of uh, Telemachus, Lyras, Iskandar, Kaon, um, the one who's the Cornate guy who I cannot remember the name of, which is really bad. Um, but that that little crew of the, uh, the of the founding of the Black Legion, I would love, I would love Black Library models for them. You could That'd see something really, like that really happening. Cool. Yeah, that just, yeah, I just that—that's like it's complete. I don't expect that to happen. That's a completely personal foible. I just would really like. I'd that love a, they're really cool characters. End of Siege yeah. of Terror diorama type thing with the Emperor and Horus and Sacrius to play. Like the update, yeah. the updated version of the. That's famous... what I, I mean. It's the thing that I don't think I'll ever get. It could happen. I would absolutely adore them to do a proper Forge World diorama where you could have all three of them. That would just be incredible. And obviously, Dead Guardsman. That's <laughs> essential. Yeah, yeah. Later it could guardsmen. happen. It could happen. I, I genuinely think you've got so much... You've got so many, like, skeins of fate weaving together for one weekend that it is impossible well, it's gonna be to so predict it. For the uh, fact that we you know, are getting to that scene in Siege of Terror anyway, that uh, surely it would make sense for them to do something Black Library model related to it. But yeah, whether they go whole hog and do something massively celebratory or whether it's just here's, you know, yet more updated sculpts of the characters as they were at the end. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I'd, I'd really love them to do something really spectacular for it, even if it's just a made-to-order limited release. Although saying that, it scares, looking at what the price tag is for Cabander, it scares me what the potential price tag would be. Um, so. Yeah, I... I... I want to get Carbander. Um, it, it always slightly disappoints me. Like the, some um, kind of stability in my life financially. So it was like the two of those things are at odds with each other. And I, I, I tell you, young people today, there's constantly complaining about how they can't buy houses. And people say to me, well, it's all because I tell you, uh, Winston, it's all because they're just buying avocado toast. And I say, no, it's because they're <laughs> buying Forge World. That's why. They can't afford these houses because they're buying for We'd have had that back in my day. Back in my day, blister packs were 20p. And you had to work for three weeks to earn 20p, which is how it should be. Uh, Warhammer boomer memes, <laughs> they're a thing. <laughs> I think you could maybe see, because we've seen yeah. Horus Ascended. Maybe we'll see um, uh, Sanguinius <laughs> Deceased. I mean, I'd buy it. I would. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely zero doubt in that. I would hope. Yeah. Oh, I mean, there'll be what, plenty of people doing dioramas. So. What are his data sheet abilities? Uh, we've got involuntary twitch. Uh... Oh, he's got wound zero, and he counts as impassable terrain. <laughs> I think when it's to every single event that I go to, and just like spur on the death company with uh, with the vision of Sanguinius uh, prior to dropping them down in deep strike, it'd be great. Yeah, <laughs> I I didn't see one of those stupid um, like 
memes that made me chuckle the other day that was you know you're a guardsman and uh that you know you're under siege by the tyranids and then the marines turn up and it's like but wait they're dressed in black and they keep calling you horus yeah there was an excellent Uh-oh. one that i saw today actually similarly where uh, a guardsman took off his hat and turned out to be bold and obviously looks a little bit too much like horus and so the blood angel stood next to him and suddenly starts getting very uh very twitchy <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Do you know, I I started listening. I've started listening to um, Darkness in the Blood because I finished my my sort of reading list at the moment. I finished obviously the end of the Death Part One and uh, Luther, First of the Fallen. So now I'm catching up on my other angels on on the on the on the Blood Angels on the more important ones, arguably. Uh, and doing um doing Darkness in the Blood to get caught up with Dante and and Mephiston's story. And it's quite nice because Mephiston, as a joke that we've made previously on this podcast, Mephiston in that particular audiobook sounds like he's actually, you know, he's not Skeletor <laughs> from the 1980s He-Man cartoon. He hasn't actually turned around yet and gone, I am Mephiston, chief librarian of the Blood Angels, like that. So I'm, I I'm pretty happy. <laughs> Yeah, I'm pretty happy so far. So far, all he said is like, we must drop out of the warp. So it's a bit more... Uh, Oh yeah, he's very cross in this one. I think I've he is. listened to Darkness he's an angry in the boy. Blood. Remind me, are they fighting tyrannids? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so I, I'm, I'm about, I'm about the halfway through the first chapter. So I don't know yet. They might well be. I would assume so, given it's Blood Angels, but because it would be a real shock <laughs> if they were. Yeah, I mean, they're well. The Blood Angels are well placed for the new edition, given that the tyrannids are the big bad uh, of, of the new edition, which is that the Blood Angels just be like, oh, great, more Tyranids. It would, it would be Yay. quite nice if we could have a crack at Demons just... again for a bit, because the Tyranid thing is becoming somewhat... Also as well, it's a shared problem, because also then that's what the Ultramarines have as well. So it's kind of, kind of frustrating. Yeah, well, well exactly. just have rivalries with everybody. Um, and... But this is, but it, well, no, but Jamie, this was what I thought was fun. And I saw a bit, I saw a few comments again in the wonderful world of Reddit where I was, you know, not, not, and obviously you need to a hobby, you need to a hobby, like fine. I hold no animus against you, but I definitely had a couple of moments of, oh, my sweet summer child. When I saw people being like, Ultramarines, what do they have to do with tyranny? Surely it should be the blood angels that are in the starter thing. And I was like, oh, boys, tyrannic, tyrannic war veterans, like third edition yeah. starter set. Come on, man. The OG gene stealers. That was, that was like when I started, that was my time. I really, I will say actually on new edition, I do really hope that for those playing ultramarines, I do hope they do get tyrannic war veterans back. Or maybe even they become a general space marine option because tyrannic war veterans are cool. The idea of a bunch of guys yeah. who are very I mean, specialized against the, the new lieutenant looks like he might be some sort of tyrannic war veteran Strapping just based up his on armor, the, yeah. how he looks. I just I just think that narratively the Blood Angels have earned a leisurely stroll across stroll across <laughs> across the Damocles <laughs> Gulf to the Tau Empire. <laughs> I, ju- I just like just let them go and have a go at something a little bit easier. <laughs> They won't let Dante die, right? And all they're allowed to do is fight Tyranids, and they're just like, guys, please, please, can we take a crack at something a little bit softer? Can we just go after some renegade guard for a bit? Like, isn't, well there, done, isn't there some chaos planet? Yeah, they'll be like, oh, yeah, fine, let's go. We'll put you at station you in this other side of the galaxy where there's not really much happening. Segmentum Pacificus. No, d- genuinely, I think up. they should just be allowed to go across the Damocles Gulf and have a little stroll around Tau Prime. And just you know, just hang out, just just you know, like they're not in any combat danger, and they are the superlative <laughs> combat <laughs> army in the in the game. 
Just let them. They've earned a holiday. Let them, the let them go to somewhere nice and warm. Sweating yeah. profusely. Yeah, yeah, because they're like, oh yeah, we've dealt with these, we've we've dealt with these Raven Guard before. They're sneaky, <laughs> but they're fine. We've figured it out. We've got scanners for it. Holy crap! What is the upon wings of fire? I I do I do quite like the idea though of them being sent on holiday. That's like that's like the forty k sitcom. They send Dante and the Blood Angels on holiday to the western to the Segmentum Pacificus to get to have a rest, right? And then they're just sitting there like Mephiston sat there with his with his newspaper open, just flicking through cocktail blood cocktail next to him, having a good time. Dante just storms in, goes turns to back, cocks his melt pistol, walks out. Mephiston's like, wait, what? And he goes, just leans back and just goes. Tyranids are back, and he's like, oh. "Problem for Dante is, is that kind of holiday is a bit, a bit shit, right? Because he wears the mask of Sanguinius everywhere, so he'll be wearing his his swimming shorts, <laughs> but he still has to wear his helmet because <laughs> no one can see his normal face other than his surfs and like everyone else. But like, make- no one's allowed to see his face, you know." That's gonna make that's gonna make swimming real difficult because I know he's a space marine, but that helmet is presumably quite heavy. Without all the servos in his armor, right, to power it up, he's just gonna—he'll be swimming along. Like if he's trying to do front crawl, his head's gonna be kind of like down here, like just up against his chest. My lord, what happened? I have chronic neck pain from not being allowed to take the helmet off. You know what this is? This is gonna be. You know what though? I was, I was, I was who? I was reading about some um, medieval. Uh, it was um, Frederick Barbarossa. Frederick Barbarossa, the 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 sort of Holy Roman empire guy in, in real life he when he went on crusade uh in the the i think the 1200s because it was around the time of richard the lionheart i believe um people correct me if i'm wrong here he 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 died like that he 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 got, they got to this river and he was really hot and he just jumped in with his armor on and sank and drowned so they they put him in a barrel and pickled him to bring him back to bring bring him to i mean, i i definitely re- i definitely Remember something of that from Age of Empires two? Yeah, no, that was it. That was that was one of the campaigns in Age of Empires <laughs> yeah, yeah. two. You had to bring home his body, pickled yeah. in a, or, or bring it to Jerusalem, wasn't it? Pickled in a barrel. Yeah, you had him and like one or two horsemen. You had to avoid everyone. Was Jerusalem, or well, it was like one of the Spanish campaigns. But regardless, there was something along those lines. Wasn't it Age of Empires three? No, no it was that's it. pretty new. It's- I feel like it was two, but the expansion. I I've definitely missed one because I've played it. Yeah, because there wasn't really an Age of Empires three until much that's later down the line. Three, and three, it was more American Revolutionary War. Well, was well, was it American Age War, of Empires two, Age of Kings? Yes. Yes. Age of Empires 2, Age of Kings was the first one, then Age of Conquerors was the expansion to that, which had a bunch of different players. You could play as the Mongols, couldn't yeah. you, in Age of Conquerors? I feel like Mongols might have well, been the first in one. the normal campaign, and then the <laughs> this is our tangent for the campaign, day. Is, uh, Age of Empires. Yeah, the, the expansion campaign was like Aztecs. Oh names. no, yes, it was. It was the Aztecs because you, you, yeah, you started off fighting. You Tenoch, played, Tislan. yeah, and you played as, and you had to defeat. Oh, what were they called? They were the, they were like the, the Aztecs that were allied with the Spanish, who were your enemy, and I can't remember what they were called, but you had to beat them first. Yeah, yeah. So you had like Spanish conquistadors versus like Aztecs yeah. and Mayans, and, and, and I think you had Korean like warships as yeah, well. The Korean, the and... turtle ships, they were cool. Yeah, there was one. Yeah, it man. was the same I mean, expansion as well that had Joan of Arc campaign in it as well, didn't it? Uh, that, that wasn't that in like the main that, one. That was in the first game. I feel like that would be really in the main one. 
Yeah. Because the like the, yeah, the very 100%. first campaign, I believe, was William Wallace. I remember that one. And yeah. I believe Joan of Arc was one of the cam- main campaigns as well. And so I feel like the first one was very sort of central European. And then in for and and also then I think you maybe had the Saracen campaign as well. And then in, later in the expansion, then you got more of around the world sort of stuff. I checked, by the way, and, and it, is, it is canonically true. Frederick Barbarossa did drown. There were differing accounts as to exactly what happened. Some said he was swept away. Um, others said he was thrown from his horse and weighed down by his armour. He drowned. And according to the chronicler Ibn al-Athir, uh, the king went down to the river to wash himself and was drowned at a place where the water was not even up to his waist. Thus, God saved us from such the evil of such a man. So I feel like he had an agenda, given that uh, Frederick Barbarossa was in fact a crusader, so I feel like there was a bit of an agenda there. But we know he drowned. What was the dates of that? Because I, I remember the Crusades being sort of eleven. Eleven ninety. It was eleven ninety. He drowned. Um, so yeah. yeah. Do you know what? Oh, Do you know what? It's funny. I've been on a I've been on a, a medieval history kick lately because I've uh, I listened to um I've listened to two podcasts very recently. One series about Gilles de Ray, who was a a, a medieval or a, a a French nobleman who simultaneously was uh, and I, I encourage people to kind of check this stuff out because I I think it's really interesting. It's a bit of a history. Uh, and you know to link it to Warhammer it's kind of the a lot of the inspiration for stuff that we have in Warhammer comes from all this um so uh, but yeah Gilles de Ray was a was both a um a member a guy who basically fought alongside Joan of Arc and was arguably one of the you know strategic sort of people who helped her with because you know she was a 16 year old girl right in france and she was while she was clearly very clever and very good at knowing how to sort of win battles she was certainly helped by experienced commanders and this guy was one of them this year uh, also turns out he was a yeah. serial child murderer um so real real dichotomy of a guy um that one um and uh, the other the other one i listened to was about the hundred years war it's still an ongoing series about the hundred years war which is quite interesting so uh, again same same That's time very, period joan of arc was all was all hundred years war and i ended up watching whilst painting my trim on my world eaters i ended up watching kingdom of heaven the ridley scott film so uh had a had a a dose of uh that's the one with orlando it Bloom is yeah not not, not not the most historically yeah. accurate film but has a very good not very no yeah not very accurate but good fun to watch i would no. like well, to it... point out to the listeners at home that last episode i took up some time talking about a wonderfully positive uh the uh, feeling that I had about Star Trek Picard and Adam's tangent today is about child molestation, uh, child murder. Um, and I think he cru- also did some of that as well, to be honest. He's crusading, dude. leprosy, and the, the tangent, by the way, not the child, yeah, murder. No, yeah. the tangent. I just want to point this out to everyone, and it was also not me that started this one off, so I'm not going to get any messages from anybody going. Why did look, you take at, us away and start point, talking about the medieval ages? Look, at this point, the whole brand of this podcast is we go on tangents and yeah. ramble, even more than the Conclave does, which they already go on lots exactly, of tangents. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, so, uh, so yeah. If, if you've come here and don't expect us to go on tangents, not sure what to you say. You can boldly no. go away. All, all I was going to say is, as was my last comment on this, uh, when watching the, again, not historically accurate, but still quite a quite a good film, uh, in my opinion, Kingdom of Heaven, um, the one thing I noticed was just how many like actors that I recognised from subsequent stuff were in it, apart from, obviously, like Orlando Bloom, Jeremy Irons, and people like that. Um, you've got, like, Michael Sheen is in it. He plays the priest. Um, and uh, Nicholas Kloster-Waldau, who was in um, Game of Thrones, 
is in it as like uh, he appears like very briefly he's a very minor character and i was like i know that guy and it also has kevin mckidd who was uh lucius varinus in rome and there and also soap mctavish in the call of duty games so uh so very much in favor was really uh, funny for that exact same thing what watching old episodes of sharp Oh, and seeing all the like various people that turn up, but then yeah. you know, will go on to do other things. Yeah, is that the episode with Daniel Craig in it as a baddie? Yes, it's great, and and you're just like you're you're just like you grew up to be so much better than this. It's I, actually I will say one thing you'll like to cross over with your tangent last week. Alexander Siddig, of course, plays uh, Nasir, the uh, the um, the oh sorry it. It, Nasir Asfahani, I think his name is, who's the uh, the lieutenant of uh, of Salahuddin, and the Syrian actor who plays plays Saladin is really good in that film. He's excellent. He's bloody fantastic. I should name him, having named the others. Uh, it is uh, Ghassan Masood. The weakest link in that entire film is Mr. Bloom. <laughs> it's Mr. Bloom. Everyone else is like acting out of their arse, and Mr. Bloom sort of stands in the corner being like, I don't really know why I'm part of this story because I never was here. Yeah, well, I mean, he was, he just wasn't as important as they make him out to be, right? Wasn't the guy, um, isn't Liam Neeson's character so much more important? Yeah, but I think I think Bailey Bailey and Ibilin, who's who is Orlando Bloom's character, he did, he was involved in the sort of defense of of the kingdom of Jerusalem in that time period, but he just, he didn't do any of the sort of things that they suggest that he did in the film um, yes. for dramatic license purposes. Um, but yes. Yeah. I also, I noticed that Bre- is it Brendan Gleeson, who's like the guy from in Bruges, the Irish, Irish actor, who's also in the Banshees of Inishirin and stuff like that. He's in it playing many, many other things. Yeah. He's in it playing um, uh, um, Raymond, Raymond de Chatillon. Uh, Reno de Chatillon, who's like the sort of evil yeah. Templar character, yeah. So he was really anyway, evil so... in real life. Oh yeah, he was. Again, another Gilles de Ray style character. Um, so yeah, one that you can you can read about. So that's weird. That's our tangent for the day. We've got into medieval history, uh, based off of the fact that we were talking about Age of Empires two, which is an amazing game. Yeah. Well, hey, it could all be getting ready for the old world as far as uh, we know which so is very medieval i've got to admit when i was you know <laughs> again when i was watching link this back to when bitch. i was when i was watching <laughs> when i was watching kingdom of heaven when you see the scene which is really really cool it's the scene at supposed to be at kerak it's when it's when balian rides out with the knights to confront the the the, the saladin saladin's cavalry and they know they're going to lose it's very much sort of like what's his name john John Sneer, the sort of discount version uh, of Bailey and Ibeline with dramatic license in Game of Thrones. You know, when he stands up to all the cavalry, when he's just got his sword, it's very much that kind of thing. They know they're going to yeah, lose, yeah. but they're like, we must defend the women and children or whatever. So they go out, they fight them, and then there's this bit where, having lost to the 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 cavalry, the 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 uh, the um, Saladin's cavalry, um, there's a great conversation between Alexander Siddick's character and Bailey and Ibeline because he he met him earlier in the earlier in the story and he thought he was just like a nobody he thought he was like a servant of a of another uh, a, a sort of muslim noble um but he's obviously he's not he is one of Sal- saladin's commanders and uh you see the 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 Sal- saladin's army come over the hill with all of these massed ranks and then in the distance he says you know tell tell my lord jerusalem has come and you see the the sort of the army of the kingdom of Jerusalem and all the Templars and all of the sort of soldiery march up. And when I saw that with the big shields and all the spears in those massed ranks, I just thought about those either the cities of Sigmar or the old school Warhammer um, 
kind of massed ranks of just like basic infantry men at arms and was like that's really cool yep, yep. like that is really even even the chaos warriors right with their big ranks of shields um that kind of thing it just reminded me of that so again a bit of cross-pollination of nerdery there for you josh is looking cynical about all this i'm just i'm just i'm just annoyed because you've tied it back to warhammer so now it doesn't count as a tangent. So I'm still the bad guy for getting excited about You're three and a half minutes. You're not the bad guy. We can get excited about Star Trek. I'm excited about Star Trek. It's really good at the moment. It's really good. Seven people sat around a table. I know. All it, all it took. I know. I nearly and that, that that musical that musical sting. I was just like, oh, takes me back to my childhood. I, t- I turned to Alice and she said, it's giving you everything you want, isn't it? And I went, yes, there's just one yeah. thing missing. And she was like, well, it just wouldn't surprise me if that's in it. Yeah. yeah. Is Star Trek and I, Star I think it will be. Is this become Trek. Star Trek. This is, this oh, yeah. is, this is yeah. because it's, really it's, great it's series, brilliant. Yeah. If you're... I've been quite... Really... It's the best yeah, thing on telly right now. Yes. Yeah, very much. So then I really enjoyed the last <laughs> series of it as well, and I enjoyed Discovery. And in fact, to be honest, I think I've enjoyed every single new Star Trek thing they've met. I loved the one that was on Paramount. The um, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Strange New Worlds. I thought that was really good. I mean, that was the, that was the, very the old school Star with, Trek. Uh, Michael in it seemed to wander. That's Discovery, isn't it? That's- yeah, it was a bit all over the place, but then it kind of found itself. Yeah, when it, it went kind to of had some wandering missteps, but you know, otherwise, I still thought that was pretty decent. It's I've never really had an issue with it. But then similarly as well, I absolutely adore the last three Star Star Wars films. So you know, I just enjoy stuff. It seems, which I think it means that I have to hand in a card and never be allowed to access the internet. Well, here's the thing, like, <laughs> if you take it at its own merit as well, you don't have to go like, oh, is this new Star Wars film or Star Trek film or whatever? Is this, you don't have to go, is this the best thing that's ever been made? Is it contributing to, like, the evolution of cinema? Or you can I just go, is I- this enjoyable? Yeah. Do I like it? If so, It's okay cool. to like things. I think it's because you enjoy, enjoy, enjoy them as opposed that's, to, that's like, my, I don't see yeah. fan any of them, I think. That's the problem. I don't have any of them as part as some, something by which I identify myself, um, and that that I think is the downfall and the reason why I will never understand <laughs> the complex emotions that other ha- others have for it. Yeah, I- yeah, I do. I, I I am. I must admit, I am at the point, and I did give. Uh, I I was messaging Josh when I was watching it. I am at the point with uh, the other ongoing. Seeing as we're going to complete tangent about nerd series now <laughs> that we're just watching generally, um, I will just say before we finish that uh, I am I am at the point with the Mandalorian now. Where don't get me wrong, I still watch it because you know it's fun to see what goes on. But I am getting a little bit fed up. Slash, I watch it deliberately to be amused by them by the endless cameos now in it about, with people I just don't give less of a shit about. <laughs> it's like as i said as i said to josh the difference to me is with picard it's like oh here is you know member of the next generation crew who was you know from back in the day who you remember and we have this kind of long attachment to whereas what seems to be happening in, in the mandalorian is it's now the 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 um the reference show where they're like you know and I, again i don't know why i do it to myself right but i watch youtube videos afterwards where it's like here's the 37 easter eggs you missed in mandalorian episode whatever and it's like oh if you look in the background that helmet belonged to chungus blank tar who appears in one issue of a comic from 1987 but is really important to the sith and you're like okay i, I managed to care. upset you didn't i 
I upset you the other day because it was the not the most recent episode, the episode before that of The Mandalorian, where you went, I thought that was pretty good. And I said, Oh, did you enjoy the cameo in it? And you went, What cameo? There weren't any cameos. I went, <laughs> yeah, Yes, there I was. Zebrelius yeah, was in there yeah, from the Rebels. And you went, well, I did- And you said, Well, who's that? And I went, Oh, it's the Lassat <laughs> in the in the in the in the canteen. And then well, you got the big- really mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, fuck's sake. The big purple guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I did. I did like the newest one because I like the fact that Space Epcot was run by Jack Black and Lizzo. Yeah, I, I, I quite like. I know people have been complaining about cameos and stuff like that, but I actually quite. Oh no, no, cameo! And I was like, oh, this feels like, a, like a, a just story wise, it felt like a nice sort of like D and D side story like <laughs> quest. It, it for me, it just didn't have a, a great climax. But Cam- it was still cameos fun. like that, where it's just actors that I, that I kind of or famous people that I know and like, like appearing in it. That's fine. I'm talking about yeah. like in universe cameos. Although I will say, because <laughs> right, this right. has now officially <laughs> become the tangent cast, I will say one thing that did greatly amuse me is that. <laughs> The Mandalorian's an idiot. Dingerin is a moron because at the start of that bit, when they're coming into the planet, right? When they're coming into land, and she, you know, she's there to meet up with Wolf Axe or whatever the fuck his name is, the Mandalorian guy that she wants to be in, take out and be in charge of the the space fleet. Bear in mind that space fleet is includes the the big cruiser that used to belong to Moff Gideon that Dingerin has been on. He has been on board that very ship, right? And the crucial moments of the previous season at the end happen on that ship. And he comes out with a line and he goes, it looks Imperial. I thought I recognised it. But of course you fucking recognised it. Like, Also, it's a big grey triangle on the ground. There's only one people in the galaxy that use those sort of ships, <laughs> you flipping moron. Like, is, your, is that helmet too tight? Like, oh man, I was just... And when he said that, I was like, this guy is an absolute grade A idiot. And I don't know why Bo-Katan doesn't turn around and go, are you okay? Are you suffering from memory loss? <laughs> That's too many concussions. Oh yeah, he's definitely been hit around the head too many times. Um... It was an episode where he had to get like his life saved twice in a row. That is true. That is true. Uh, but anyway, look, seeing as we're we're now descending into my personal foibles about various Star Wars shows, um... <laughs> more Matt, it's refreshing. I mean, it could link back to like all oh, the the ships that could link back to like Battlefleet Gothic, and people really want that game to come back. Yeah, there you yeah, go. That's, that's our Warhammer. that's our Warhammer links. It's got spaceships in it. Spaceships yeah, cool. <laughs> and Battlefleet Gothic could be revealed at Warhammer Fest. There you go. It Job done. Has link, been link established. It has been refreshing for me because. Because I expected season three of The Mandalorian to be bad, and Adam expected it to be amazing. And I expected he has been, it to be good. Yeah, well, you have been more angry about it than I have. <laughs> I, just, I just don't like in-universe stupidity. That's what annoys me. Because you've gone like, have you watched the most episode, recent episode of The Mandalorian? I went, yep. And, you went, and then you've gone off on one, and I've just been like, yep. <laughs> I, I don't have to do anything here. Um, yeah, but yeah. Instead, again, it's that it's that funny thing, though, isn't it? Of again, Alice asked me this. She was like, "Why is it okay that Star Trek's doing it, and why is it not okay that Star Wars doing it?" I was like, "Well, because Star Trek's doing it well." Because I care about the ones in Star Trek. I don't care about the robot from Rebels or whatever the hell it was. Well, it's all right because we've got a trailer for the Ahsoka. Ahsoka, series, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they're all in it, so all fans of Star Wars Rebels can see all of their favourite characters, including Chopper the robot and um, the other ones whose names I can't remember. Oh, Sabine Wren, Hot Topic uh, Mandalorian, and um, <laughs> it's not just a phase mum Mandalorian. Yeah, 
You get to see all of that. That was announced at Star Wars Celebration this it week. It was. It was, and Grand Admiral Thrawn. Thrawn, yep, yep, yep. He's he was fun. last seen being taken into hyperspace by a space whale. Um, and we'll never get to see what happened there, I don't think, because it was <laughs> too silly even for Star Wars at the end of that show. <laughs> of that show. And I'm know. not going to hold Rebels to a certain standard because it very much is a kid's show, but... I did not enjoy Rebels. Yeah, I, um, I'm excited again. Again, to let's. I'm going to do some linkages here. So hear me out. I'm excited for the Ahsoka trailer solely because it has Ray Stevenson in it as a sort of. I don't know what he is. He's a guy in black armor with an orange lightsaber. We don't know what he is. There's a lot of speculation around that. Is he a Sith? Is he a Jedi? Is he something altogether different? Um, but he's in it. And Ray Stevenson, not only does he look amazing with his grey beard, um, he he played. Titus Pullo in the HBO series Rome. I am going to Rome, and 10th edition is about ultrabreeds and ultrabreeds of space Romans. And that is how we do the six degrees of Kevin Bacon for Warhammer from Star Wars to Warhammer. And that's how we end the show. So I am going to end it there. Thank you very much, everybody, for joining us and saying with us. We will, as I say, we will keep the episodes coming, although. You know, we're we're sort of we're 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 gearing up to go to Warhammer Festival, so we may save something for for after that when we will have something. Hopefully, as we discussed, substantive to talk about uh, about tenth edition and about other things that may be coming and all the things that Josh riffed on that that you know, old world etc. That that might turn up, which would be really cool. Um, who knows? Who knows what we'll see there? Uh, but either way, it's exciting. But we'll uh, we'll do that, and uh, we'll we'll no doubt still talk about what's going on in other sci-fi properties so we can't promise you uh any any uh any any less tangents than uh, than we have already had but i will do my sterling best to link them back to the worlds of warhammer and be nice to josh if he talks about star trek because we both love it very much and you know it's very cool um but anyway um let us know what it, what would you want to see at warhammer fest um what are your thoughts on the mandalorian what are your thoughts on picard let us know in the instagram dms um at the conclave 40k do let us know and we will uh, obviously try and respond or to as i say to to us on on instagram uh, i'm at adl wargaming at warhipster at Gort King gaming and at sanguinary punk as well um finale of Picard season three at uh, Warhammer Fest. Yeah, we won't, we won't watch any of the Warhammer previews. We'll just watch that. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, anyway, but thank you so much for listening. So I think all that remains is to say goodbye from all of us. So goodbye from Rich. Goodbye. Goodbye from the War Hipster, Mr. Josh. Smell you later. And goodbye from Mr. Jamie. Hello. There we go. And goodbye and happy hobbying. <laughs>